Hey y'all, this is Daniel Kyrie. I play Darren Ritter on Chicago Fire, and you're listening to Meet Us at Molly's. This thing makes the entire family. And to me, there's nothing more important. Not gonna be all sunshine and roses, but I can promise it's gonna be a hell of a ride. Welcome back, everybody, to Meet Us at Molly's, episode 199. We are so close. Next week is our 200th. It's Fire's 200th. We're just, like, moving right along. Kind of crazy. Um, this week, we are discussing um, Med 706, Fire 1006, and PD 906. And Gina is not here this week, but that's okay, because I have a very, very special guest, friend of the pod, Ashley. Ashley, how are you? Hey, Bryna. I'm great. How are you? I'm good. Ashley, I was thinking about this before you came on. When was the last time you were on the podcast? Was it when we were in Chicago for One Chicago Day? You know, I think I was thinking about the same thing, and I think it was. I think it was That's crazy. that that night before we did the One Chicago Day, like oh. actually in person. That's Which was wild. two years ago. Yeah, a yeah, little over two years ago now, because I just texted you that last week. It was like, oh, TBT, and I'm like, oh, yeah. damn. Oh, I know. So much nostalgia. That was such a fun trip. I miss Chicago. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Crazy. All right, guys. Lots to discuss this week. I didn't think we were going to have this much to discuss, but there's a lot to discuss. Lots of things. So let's just jump right in. Um, We've got some episode descriptions to go over for episode six. So this will be October 27th. They'll air. Um, so the first one is for med 706 and it's called when you're a hammer, everything's a nail, which is punny because Stevie hammer and it's apparently a Stevie episode. So it says Stevie's personal and professional worlds collide when her mother becomes her patient. Dylan's history with the father of a patient interferes with his perception of a case. Crockett's allegiances are challenged when his patient's liver is a potential match for one of Dr. Blake's patients. Ashley, we'll talk about this a little bit more when we get into med, but I'm curious just quickly, what do you think about Stevie and Dylan? Um, I think I like them. Um, it, it's, you know, it felt a little bit jarring, I feel like, to have new people at the top. Uh, I, I mean, it was just... And that happens with shows that are on for a long time. Like I get it, but it did feel a little bit jarring to me. That said, I think they're both pretty seamless. Um, and I'm interested in, in both characters. Yeah, for sure. Um, and it seems like whoever this Dr. Blake is played by, I think her name's Sarah Rafferty, right? From Suits. Yeah. Oh, yes. So from yes, the promo. I saw that. And yeah. Yeah. Donna Paulson um I know you were a big Suits fan yes I was I yeah when I saw that I was like wait wait it's Donna it's Donna um so that's exciting and it it's funny because she also did a little stint on Grey's Anatomy kind of recently yeah she Um, did I don't remember how recently but you know at some point the last couple of years yeah what 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 is time yeah what is time yeah but do you think we'll see her for more than one episode well if this is so the promos for next week and then this is for the week after that so she's at least in two but how much longer i don't know i feel like sometimes like 
they didn't even announce Michael Rady really. Like Stephen Weber put him on his Instagram. And we're like, oh, Michael Rady's joining the show. Like, cool. Mm-hmm. So I guess she's gonna be joining the show for a little bit at least. I I don't know. It seems like it, I guess. But yeah, very interesting. Well, I mean, I guess there's not there's not always going to be a like a big casting announcement for every yeah. person, right? But um. I don't know but I, w- I was excited to see her I was really excited to see her yeah should be a- interesting I'm curious to see what she's like next week and then see where it goes from here so um Ashley do you want to read fire's description sure um so Chicago fire season 10 episode 6 dead zone um a major security breach in the city's computer networks Forces Firehouse 51 senior leaders to take matters into their own hands. Severide gears up for an arson investigation. I have feelings about everything that I just read. Okay. Just tell me. Go. Go. (laughs) Okay. Are all the shows having hackers deal with the computer? Is that just every show is going to do that right now? That's my first thought. I guess. I mean, that's (laughs) what's going on in the world. So fair but i feel like it is i feel like it is doing that right now yeah and not well cliche is not the right word because it's sort of a new concept but i but i really feel like repetitive is tackling that yeah yes. um and then and then just this sentence just makes me laugh because it's like oh again severide gears up for an arson investigation it's like this is typical wednesday I mean, like what <laughs> you know right. like have you ever watched chicago fire like yeah yeah but Um, i mean it's great i like it it's just yeah here for it (laughs) um yeah i also really curious to see i guess with senior leaders that ie means like mouch and herman and so like having to teach the young kids how to like do their old school ways that's what i'm taking this to mean and if that is the case then here for all of that Uh uh-huh i yeah that's my take on it but if that is where this goes, I'm here for all of that. Mm-hmm. All right. And so then we've got also PD906 is called End of Watch, which is very ominous. Um, and it says Ruzik reunites with an old colleague to take down a crime ring. But when things don't add up, Voight and Burgess do some investigating of their own. So we've got a Ruzik episode. Mm, okay. I'll be curious to see what this, who this old colleague is, but... Yeah, sounds like again. Sounds fun. Yeah, sounds like a typical PD episode. Sounds like a Wednesday. (laughs) Yeah, Yeah. exactly. (laughs) Um, so we've also got a little bit of scoop from TV Line, the Matt's Inside Line column. Um, the first question that was asked, they're both about Chicago Med. It says, "I was digging Chicago Med's Crockett and Natalie. Anything good coming up for him, even though she's gone?" And it says, "As viewers have started to see this season, Crockett is questioning what his future is. Does he want to specialize? What is the future after Natalie?" Um, so we will really see him contemplating that and essentially making a change. Says Diane, who's the showrunner. Um, and then it also says from Andy. Um, he's going to be a much more grounded character now he's going to be looking to really set down roots in Chicago and build another kind of career and it says plus he's going to find an interesting new romance which obviously I'm here for because hi I love Crockett (laughs) so I do too and he's really grown on me you know yeah um 
like just over the again what is time I have no idea now how long that's been but uh but he he is he has really um established himself well yeah I think on the show I do too especially from going so- to from someone like personally like me who didn't necessarily like him in the beginning and now I'm like all about Crockett I I, I adore him um mm-hmm. And I liked him and Natalie too. Like I loved him and Natalie. So I'm, you know, obviously I'm sad that that's over, but like, I'm excited to see what this new romance is. Yeah. I'm excited. Um, Ashley, do you want to read the last one? Sure. Um, So uh, the question is um, on Chicago Med, how is Ethan's recovery from his gunshot wound going to affect his ability to be a doctor? Is there a chance he won't fully recover? Um, and that question comes from Meredith. And what we have as an answer um, is, uh, it's quoted, it will affect his ability to do emergency medicine, which requires strength and dexterity and speed. And that'll be part of his recovery. That's from executive producer, Andrew Schneider. Um, and EP Diane, say her last name, Brenna. For love. Okay. Um, <laughs> I just didn't, I didn't want to mess it up. Um, yeah. uh, she says, we have a couple of episodes devoted to his physical recovery and then we'll pursue the emotional and mental recovery. That sounds really promising. I think. I'm glad that, I mean, at this point, we still don't know when he's coming back. I would hope that if they've already like kind of talked about this, that that means he's coming back, you know, by like mid season. Um, But I'm glad that it's not going to be like, Oh, well he did all his recovery off screen. And then like, he's back and, you know, perfectly fine. Um, I'm glad that we're still going to be able to see parts of it. But at this point, I am kind of, yeah. Like at this point, I'm kind of like, okay, well, when is he coming back? Like, who knows? you know, I'm like, okay. Right. But I, it, nobody's seen him on set. Not that we really ever see anything about the med kids, but you know, nobody's seen him as far as we know. So I don't know if he's back yet. So I guess we'll see. Um, but yeah, that's all the news that we have, guys. Um, as always, you guys do a really good job about sending it to us. Um, so if you guys ever see anything, you know, related to any of the shows, just please send it our way. Um, you know, there's only two of us and we do have full-time jobs outside of this. So sometimes we miss things, but you guys are always a really big help. Um, so yeah, that's like, I said, that's it for the news. And I think without, you know, without further ado, we should just hop right in. Cause there's a lot going there's down. A lot. <laughs> All right. So we're going to start with med as always. And we're going to start with will first. And Ashley, before we get into this, I'm curious, what are your thoughts about will this season and all this, like him being a super spy for Goodwin and that whole storyline? What are you thinking about it? So far? I mean, it, uh, I don't, uh, I don't know. <laughs> it's, um, <laughs> uh, on, on the one hand, it's was sure an interesting way to get him sort of back, right? Yeah. Um, like, okay, you can come back if you like do this thing. I mean, that's great because we want him back, obviously. Um, let's just move on from that whole mess and, and you yeah. know, fine. Um, as for what it is that he's doing, it just, it tracks. I don't know how to, it, it feels like a thing that will that will is suited for yes it's very will it just 
it tracks that's that's you know i'm fine it's interesting to watch you know it's an interesting it's a unique kind of a thing with the you know medical device and all that kind of stuff but um yeah but yeah it tracks it it definitely tracks that is for sure um so the will storyline kicks off and will and sharon are meeting to kind of go over cooper's cases and you know kind of dissect them and see what's been going on and even though obviously we've kind of figured out that he is getting maybe some sort of kickbacks like each one of his cases has shown that his choice to use the vascom was like actually the right move which i thought was interesting i didn't think they were gonna i thought it was gonna be like oh well this is obvious so i was kind of surprised to see that like i guess yeah, he's getting kickbacks, but right, maybe right. he's not as bad as we've been led to think he is. I I don't know. I guess we'll find out. But um, you know, Will mentions to her that like Cooper and Jess, it the, who's the Vascom rep girl, have like asked him to pitch it to at Grand Rounds, whatever the heck that is. I guess some kind of conference, but they don't really make that clear. Um, <laughs> but then of course, like, of course the Vascom rep girl comes over and she's just like, hi, I just wanted to say hi. I saw you sitting here. And like, uh-huh. I think she clearly has a crush on Will. Definitely. She sure does. 100%. I think the big test will be, does Will act on it? Oh, I, <laughs> cause no. that also seems very well <laughs> to act on it. I- but in this season of what I hope to be growth for him, I right. hope he doesn't because we don't need that, but we'll see. Yeah, I that would be I think that would be frustrating and I don't know that I expect it. I don't know if I see that as a thing, but I do wonder if her having a crush on him could I mean that could still go very badly. Oh, one way or another, you know? Yeah. Yeah, I, I hope, I mean, I hope he doesn't do anything, you know, besides kind of try to figure out the Vascom situation. Like, I hope he doesn't sleep with her just because I've, after the whole Verani mess and how messy that got, I, we don't need Gosh, yeah. any, Will needs to grow and, you know, he's a lot of like self-reflection to do and that would just derail all of that. So we definitely don't yeah. need that. But of course, while this is all going on, Archer is over buying some coffee and he's like looking on suspiciously. He kind of, I don't think he realizes truly what's going on, but he kind of has figured something's up. Oh, yeah. So Will gets this patient, Pete, who's like a frat boy at college and basically he can't stop throwing up. So Will's like, okay, I'm going to order some labs, see what's going on. And like, as he walks out of the room, Archer, of course, goes all Archer and makes this comment about his meeting with the device rep. And he's like, well, this must be one hell of a device. Ashley, what are your thoughts on Archer? (laughs) I can't stand, and you know, it makes, uh, uh, I don't know why, like, I can't speak words tonight. I just keep giving you sort of like uggs about things, but um, (laughs) he's the worst. And that makes me sad. Because like, you know Steven Weber I, is great. Yes. And I just but I mean, but that's great because that's great acting. Because right. you know what I mean? Like that's that's great for the show. That's great acting. But I do I I, I really want to punch this guy in the face. Like he is the worst. I mean, every little thing, you know, even de- uh it just his, his the like argument he had with um Dr. Charles. Dr. Charles and stuff. Yeah, like just 
Oh, he's just, he's really the worst. But there must be some redeemable quality coming, right? I would think so, but we have yet to see it. So (laughs) I don't know at this point. Maybe not. Maybe not. I don't know. (laughs) But anyway, so Will is practicing this pitch or whatever to Cooper and Jess when Archer just so happens to walk in to grab his forgotten water bottle. Forgotten water bottle. Uh And he's like listening to some of Will's pitch and he's like, I'm not impressed. He's like trying to compare it to just because you know you have a phone like you're just because like there are all these new fancy like iphones and smartphones or whatever doesn't mean that like a good old flip phone isn't you know still usable and he of course pulls his out because of course archer would still have i he yeah that was amazing do you know anyone (laughs) who still has a flip phone no the last person i knew who had a flip phone was my husband's 91 year old grandmother. (laughs) Yes. I think that's the last person I knew who had a flip phone. Yep. Yeah, I do. I do. I had a friend who's a year older than me in DC who still had a flip phone and was very much like very content with his flip phone. I don't know if he still has it. That was like pre-pandemic so i don't know if he still has it but i would assume he still has it which is like wild to me it i it surprises me that there's still a thing that you can purchase well i know at one point one of my friend's mom still had one and like her service carrier was like you can't have this anymore like we're not gonna like support it like you have to get a smartphone (laughs) like (laughs) you know like if you want to have service with us like you have to get a smart you know you have to get something you know compatible something else so I'm kind of surprised I guess from that standpoint not you know but crazy and then did you see it's not a flip phone but I guess Today, they announced, like, Nokia, like, the old, like, little kind of, like, block Nokia phones or whatever. They made, like, an updated version that they're going to come out with. Yeah. Oh, that's interesting. Which I'm like, why? Like, yeah. I mean, I kind of miss having my little flip phone, you know? Yeah. I Um, guess for me, I was kind of on the edge of, like, not having, I think I, did I ever have a flip phone? I don't think so. But. Oh, so I'm like kind of on the edge of like, I know flip phones existed, but not, I didn't really have like my parents had one, but I personally never had one. Okay. So wait, so are you saying, are you telling me that you never had the experience of like texting a friend where you were click, you clicked the numbers until it got to the letter that you wanted it to be? From my parents' phone? Yes. Like I said, my parents had one, but like for me personally, no, I did not. That was an adventure. Um, (laughs) Yeah. Also, also, I mean, there was a time when you couldn't even do that, but I, I very distinctly remember sending text messages where you're like five, 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 you know, like, (laughs) yeah, yeah, yeah. um, From my little red little flip phone that was so great because it just 
so right. small and easy to carry around. But, and you uh, don't spend like 25 hours out of a 24 hour day on your phone. Yeah. Yeah. Yep. Yeah. Yep. But to be fair, I was on the computer all the time. Like, yeah. Yeah. You know, the, I don't it's know. It's just a trade off. It's just from one device to the next. Yeah. Correct. Yeah. But yeah, just like I said, I died when Archer pulls out a flip phone. I was like, oh man, he would. Archer so funny yeah yeah but anyway so he uses that comparison for the vast comms and whatever he's like basically at the end of the day it just seems like a high-tech repackaging of what already works so the patient's labs come back and he's got a high white count and basically the x-ray shows that he's got free air under his right diaphragm and so basically what happens is he this patient's been eating ice because that's what his stomach has been able to like not make him throw up but that actually caused the tear which is like crazy to think about i so as i was i was watching this episode (laughs) and andrew my husband comes into the room and stops and is and and he's like what (laughs) um just uh, it was like on the announcement that like oh it was an ice cube that did it yeah i mean now could that really I guess that could really happen, but could that really happen? You know, I, I'm assuming it does happen because I know they take a lot of these kind of like weird scenarios from real life, you know, medical things. So I'm assuming it yeah. can happen, but it sounds crazy to think that chewing ice, you know, and like that, the sharpness, I guess, of that can like cut. I, I don't know, but I like... It made me not, I'm a, like, I chew ice a lot sometimes and I'm like, oh shit, like, yeah. stop. <laughs> so I wanted to like, stop yeah, that. maybe I shouldn't anymore. I don't know if I'll stop, if I'll stop doing it, but it's going to make me think, should I do this uh-huh. before I do cool. it? Yeah. Anyway, so basically Crazy. I guess Ice Cube went down the wrong way, cut his diaphragm. And so now he needs surgery. And so Archer can't believe it. Cause I guess this only kind of thing happens a lot from like gunshot wounds and stabbings or whatever and so archer's like there's no blood and will's like yeah because it's from an ice cube and archer's like what (laughs) like yeah same i don't get it but anyway um so archer does the surgery you know all of it goes well and um you know will notices that like cooper's watching him and mentions archer he's like oh i think cardiac monitoring post-surgery would appropriate archer's like yeah no we're gonna do it you know like the old school way and then cooper comes over to will and it's like well maybe you should you know try it out and not tell him and you know see how that goes and will kind of sits with the idea for a second and then we see the next thing we see is like will going in there and like trying to mess with the cardiac machine but like he can't really do anything before archer brings the patient back in And there's an issue there for a second where like Archer is like trying to recalibrate it for, I don't understand how this, all this medical stuff works. I'm like, what exactly is he recalibrating? I still don't really understand, but whatever. Um, He's trying to do something and can't get it to work at first, but then soon realizes it's just some problem with the cable. And so Archer's way still works. But then Goodwin finds Will later on out on the rooftop, which like I died Ashley, have you noticed how terrible that green screen rooftop yes. background is? <laughs> so I sure died am. when she said, like, wow, what a view. You can almost see the entire city. I was like, Jesus, this is so bad. It's so bad. Yep. Not it's, a great view. <laughs> I mean, it is great in, view, but it's, yeah. Somebody in our Patreon group 
um, lives in our Patreon Facebook group lives in Chicago. And she posted in there today a picture because I guess she had to go to a doctor's appointment at Rush, like at the, you know, the place where it's based off of. And she took a picture of like what the city line skyline is supposed to look like. And she's like, oh, man, it's so pretty. Not like it is in the show. And I was like, yeah, because in the show, it's terrible. It's so bad. Wow. Um, that's so funny yeah it's really um it's been that way for a, a while too it wasn't as screen. noticeable in the beginning though but now it's just like they're trying to make it so bad just so we notice like it's really uh-huh. bad now it's yeah. really bad um but anyway so they kind of have this reflective conversation and we'll just play the audio because rehearsal didn't go well this morning okay so i flirted with a subtle suggestion from Dr. Cooper to sabotage Dr. Archer's CVP monitor. Sabotage? Yeah. So that the VASCOM could save the day. And I came this close to doing it. But you didn't. But I'm afraid I could have. In the past, every time you've acted injudiciously, you've always kept your patient's best interest at heart, and I know you always will. Thanks. Dr. Halstead, if this ever gets to be too much for you, tell me, and I'll put a stop to the whole thing. I think this was interesting, though, and this is why I'm still, even though I'm not totally, I'm not as much of a Will fan as Gina is, but, like, I'm hopeful for Will this season because he had the chance to do some fucked up shit like he normally has done in the past like he messed with the trial even though he you know he shouldn't have he done all these things but he didn't like he thought about it sure but like he he didn't do it and like Goodwin says you know like every time you've acted injudiciously like it's always been because you had your patient's best interest at heart and so like he knew I think deep down that that was not the right move for the patient to you know mess with it and that Archer was right and so I think that's ultimately what stopped him but like yeah I don't know like I like this kind of reflective will well I hope it I hope it continues because the thing about will is I feel like we've been going around in circles with him for a while mm-hmm. um you know, just to say, just to say, like I said, like that tracks, right? Like that he's yeah. involved in something like this, of course, but like, like, let's make it something different and let's see some kind of growth or something because same kind of issues over and over again, like, you know, breaking protocol again and, you know, all this kind of stuff. Like, I just can't, I, I, I hope they're going somewhere interesting with it. Yeah, I think it seems like they are. Again, I don't, this week kind of threw me off because I've just assumed that Cooper was going to be doing all this stuff for the wrong reason for the perks of the kickbacks. But now if it kind of seems like, oh, maybe he's gets the kickbacks, but is also doing it because he also has his patient's best interests at heart. Like, yeah, then what kind of, I don't know. Like, I'm curious to see where this keeps going because- I thought I had an idea and now I don't. So I don't know. Um, But yeah. So um, we did get some listener thoughts on this. Um, Megan R said, I swear to God, if Will sleeps, sleeps with that Vascom woman, I'm just throwing something. She's like, I mentioned this in the Patreon group, but I, it just seems like it's where it's heading. I hope not for the sake again of Will's growth, but 
it wouldn't put it past me either. If we just like next episode, the episode opens with like Will in her bed or something. I'm just, I just no. Oh. <laughs> yeah. Um, and then Christine said, Is it me or does the Will storyline almost make it seem like breaking the rules is like an addiction to him? It's as if he's Goodwin CI and he's trying to do the right trying to do right to atone for his past transgressions at the end when he confessed to her that he was attempted to sabotage the monitor it sounded like an addict saying they were tempted to use especially when goodwin responded with but you didn't that's what matters and on another note i keep internally yelling at archer to mind his damn own damn business i hadn't <laughs> thought about it like that but that's a really interesting comparison yeah well it's kind of like what i was just saying like i feel like we're going around and around and around in circles with him and you know but yeah, I mean, he, he does like to, he does like to break the rules and, and all in the name of like being a good doctor and like doing, you know, breaking the rules for the right reasons, but he sure does like to do it. Yeah. I hope we used to say that kind of about Severide, like it just seemed like we had the circle of Severide, like he would, you know, in terms of his relationships, at least like, you know, he would, you know, kind of be interested in a girl, sleep with her, like kind of flirt for like a day or, you know, an episode or two. And then it was like, they break up and then he'd get depressed, you know, it was like this circle when it came to him. And then finally, you know, obviously like six seasons later, we got Stella and Stella finally kind of broke the mold. And now we've had this amazing character growth for Severide and you know obviously now he's engaged which at the beginning of the show we would have been like wait what Severide <laughs> in a monogamous relationship who is that so hopefully this is a similar kind of thing for Will and that it's been circle 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 maybe this whole experiment can break that circle and then we just get you know good character growth so hopefully let's hope all right so next up, we've got Dylan and Dr. Charles. Okay. I know you kind of said that you were into the new characters, but do you love Dylan as much as Gina and I love Dylan? <laughs> uh, I, I mean, cautiously, perhaps. I, I'm always skeptical of new characters um, of any show, of anything that I'm watching. A new character comes in and I'm like, wait, what, uh, what are they doing? You know? Um, so I, but I, but I like him. I think he's, he's, um, he's come in and held his own really quickly. Um, and I like his personality and, and I like the passion that he brings to it. Yeah. I think he's got an interesting backstory too. And I just, I don't know I, everything about Dylan. I'm like, if this keeps going this way, like right now I'd say Crockett is my favorite character, but like, if it keeps going that way, it's going to be like Dylan and Crockett fighting for that top mm. spot. I, and I loved the storyline. I thought this was really important and yeah. Yeah. So yeah, Basically, it starts with Maggie ambushes Dylan on his way into shift and is like trying to set him up with her cousin. And when Dylan all of a sudden gets a call and basically the family, he looks after son Roland is in trouble. He's like, Maggie, I got to go. And at that point, I was like, what does it mean by the family he looks after? I guess just like keeps an eye on. But and they still don't really make that totally clear. Like, obviously, they have some kind of history from his days as a cop, but it's not totally clear how they you know met or anything but anyway so 
they go and Dylan gets to the scene and Roland is clearly having some kind of mental breakdown episode. Um, and Dylan, because he has the relationship with Roland, is trying to calm him down. And all of a sudden the police show up. And of course, they see, you know, a black man, you know, not acting in the way they think he should. And they're like, immediately draw their guns. Not definitely, I mean, at all should that be the right instinct, but definitely not in this scenario. Um, And so Dylan is ultimately able to convince them to, like, let him work with him and gets Roland calmed down enough to bring him to Dr. Charles. So he brings him in to see Dr. Charles, and Roland has recently just been diagnosed with schizophrenia and is on this, like, very heavy dose of antipsychotics. And immediately, Dr. Charles is like, that's a lot of medicine. <laughs> like, I don't know about that. And I'm like, okay. Dr. Charles thinks that's a lot, then this is not, not good. Right. So Dr. Charles thinks that there's some kind of, like, reaction to the meds, you know, and that definitely triggered the episode from earlier, and he's, you know, being over-medicated, all this stuff. And, like I said, Dylan only ever mentions that he's known the family since he was a rookie cop, but we, again, still don't really know how that, you know, how, and I'm like, okay, are we ever going to learn? But I guess not, probably. So... Dylan goes and sees Roland Moms, who's in the waiting room, and gives her an update. And she mentions that, you know, since the diagnosis, Roland hasn't left the apartment. He's, you know, just stayed in there. But yesterday, he had mentioned, like, wanting to try school again. And, you know, she says something about, which I thought was a really interesting comment. Even It kind of gets swept under the rug. She says, you know, like, if you hadn't come, it was almost my family today. And I don't know... If that has to do, I think there's, I think it's maybe twofold. I wonder if it has something to do with how they met. And I also wonder if that's also just a comment about like, you know, black men being shot unnecessarily by the police, you know, with, you know, I, I wonder if it was a twofold comment or, but I thought that I was like, oh, they're going to elaborate that on definitely on that eventually. And then they didn't. I was like okay the you know but i i thought it was an interesting comment because i think you can take it two different ways yeah you could i didn't notice that i will say that that scene was really hard um it's it was really hard to watch but it was also really nice because of the way that um the way that Dylan was able to to kind of take charge of the situation and like like see like i was able to talk him down and it you know, not to go off subject here, but it, it really feels like it's the kind of thing that would go hand in hand with, well, you know what? We'll wait. We'll wait. Um, I think I know what you're going to say, but we'll get there. Yeah. yeah. I think I know yeah, what you're going to we'll say there. though. Um, but yeah. And so they're talking about, you know, like, you know, Roland is a sweet, you know, sweet boy and he's kind and she, you know, she, her mom, the mom says, you know, like, I wish we weren't the only ones who knew that. Um, and so Dr. Charles goes back and checks on Roland and, you know, Roland mentions how, you know, now that Dylan's a doctor, he's not around as much as he used to be. And then Dr. Charles and him just have this whole conversation about like how Roland sees shadows and that, you know, the shadow can't get to Dylan and, you know, just this whole thing about like what Roland sees and kind of some of the stuff that he's experiencing that's very real to him. 
And Roland's concerned, though, because Dr. Charles didn't ask him all the questions that the last doctor did. He's like, the last doctor had a checklist. Like, I'd answer yes or no. Like, why aren't you asking me all these questions? And Dr. Charles is like, I guess we do things a little bit differently around here. Um, Which I thought was interesting, too. I'm kind of glad they're tackling how the fact that some, you know, it kind of goes hand in hand with, like, the ED stuff from last week and how Archer made the comment about how psychiatry isn't necessarily needed in the ED. Um, But obviously we see that Dr. Charles made the comment last week that, like, it takes with psychiatry, you have to get to know your patients and whatever. It's not just like a five minute fix. And this kind of goes hand in hand with that. Clearly Roland's last doctor was like, oh, let me just ask you these series of questions. It's like one of those like quizzes from a magazine. Like, like if you tell me these are the right answers, then this is what you are diagnosed with. But like, that's not always the case with psychiatry. I'm kind of, I'm just like I said, I'm glad they're going, they're tackling this because, you know, I think it is a real issue in EDs these days. Well, and it's an interesting one. It's not one that you see in every medical show necessarily. Mm-hmm. Um, it's one of the things I like about Chicago Med, quite frankly, is that is that they dig into the side of it so often. Yeah. What I liked, I mean, obviously I've always liked Dr. Charles' character, but I feel like he's become, I mean, A, Dr. Charles, I think is really part of the heart of this show. And I think it would be a very different and weird show without him. But also, I think it's really, like you said, not every medical show does the psychiatry stuff. Like, you may see it for an episode here or there or, like, a story arc or something like that. But especially with how, you know, the stigma around mental health and how prevalent, you know, that's become and kind of really working to get rid of that stigma. And I just, I think it's really important that he's a character on the show and I'm glad they're tackling all of this stuff because I think it is really important yeah Um, is it uh, New Amsterdam has it but I'm trying I don't watch I I haven't watched New Amsterdam but yeah um yeah so New Amsterdam also has like a you know forgive me if I get a title wrong but a psychiatrist um that is a key right character and you you get a lot of those key cases but um and i'm not caught up on that show right now so i can't speak to anything about it but uh but that that show has has this and but i think think it's just yes i don't know yeah um so after this conversation with roland Dr. Charles mentions to Dylan that he's starting to have his doubts about whether Roland even has schizophrenia at all. And as it turns out, Dr. Charles was right. That feels like the wrong word to use, but he was right. You know, like basically after a more thorough, like, you know, checkup or whatever, he believes that Roland actually has bipolar disorder, not schizophrenia. We're going to play this audio. It's my belief that the more appropriate diagnosis would be bipolar disorder. But the other psychiatrist... Was wrong. But he was so sure. Said he's seen it before. Psychiatry is far from an exact science. And unfortunately, research does show that African-Americans, particularly males, are misdiagnosed with schizophrenia far more than whites. It will perceived as dangerous. 
And so we get a diagnosis to match that perception. That's why the dosage on Roland's meds were so high also? Because he was assumed to be a threat? It's, it's very likely. And, and that high dose also probably contributed to exacerbating the condition that I think that he actually has. Today could have been avoided. I'm so sorry. But yeah, I just, I, like I said, I really liked that they talked about all this. I thought it was interesting, too, that they, you know, brought in the whole thing about, you know, obviously how African-American males are more commonly just diagnosed with schizophrenia and, you know, tied it into the fact that they're seen as a threat. Um, I just, I thought, I, I really, I really liked the storyline. Yeah, I did, too. Um, and I do like anything where, you know, Dr. Charles is able to, you know, help somebody. And I, I don't know. I, I, I like those kinds of stories with him. Yeah. And it kind of wraps up with, I think, where we were going. So Dylan goes to see Dr. Charles and they have like a drink in his office. And Dylan mentions that CPD is developing a crisis intervention program, you know, obviously, which is a unit specifically trained in de-escalation. And like before he can even ask Dr. Charles to help, he's like, I'm in. He's like, Dr. Charles is like, sign me up. Yeah. I think where you are going is the same place where I was going to go is that I think it ties in nicely with what fire is trying to do with the paramedicine. And I don't know if logistically, you know, because I know obviously they put a, you know, put the big crossover on hold because of COVID and stuff. So I don't know if they would logistically be able to make it work, but I would love to see some kind of overlap. Well, and because with all three shows, right? Um, I mean that. It, it, but it, and it's it's so interesting because it's so topical because it's it's answering a question of you know how can we sort of restructure things to be more helpful to people essentially? Um, how can we restructure all of this stuff and it pulls in all three three shows. It without it being what I think too it pulls in all three shows without it being like the one big crossover that they do which is obviously great and we love those but like some of the things especially that I've missed over the last year and a half two years because of the pandemic are like the little crossovers and we've started to see them come back a little bit yeah you know, like last week with Atwater on on med and you know like we've seen it a little bit but this would be an effortless way for all three of them to interact without it being like the whole big um you know story so yeah but it also just sort of thematically i think it is an interesting concept for all three shows to be heading in the same direction with something like that yeah you know and and just to I don't know. Like, there's something about that that feels kind of special to me. Well, and so, do you? I can't remember. Are you caught up on Station 19? Are you watch? Do you watch Station 19? I know. I don't. I know you I watch it like when watch it if it's Grays, yeah. like with the gray stuff. So right. Station 19 is doing something kind of similar, but it's not the same in that. Obviously, all of their firefighters are trained paramedics. And so, like, they kind of all switch, you know, each shift on, like, who's riding an Ambo, who's on, you know, truck and whatever. All of them and- are? Really? hmm Yeah. Oh, interesting. Because they all, okay. like, switch back and forth. Um, like, they don't have, like, two people who are, you know, solely for Ambo and then 
people who fight fires. They all kind of go back and forth. Um, And so, but they're doing something kind of similar. So it doesn't feel, I guess, obviously it's not like, oh, you had somebody from Grays who's coming on to help take care of, you know, part of it and yada, 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 or, you know, whatever. It's like, oh, these are just the same characters doing, you know, the same kind of a similar thing. Um, But this obviously, the idea that it's the PD part, the fire part and the med part, I think, I think it could be really interesting if that's where they go. But I don't know if we'll ever Mm -hmm. see that. So who knows? Um, but yeah, so it has potential. Yes. It has lots of potential if they choose to lean into it, but we will have to, I guess, wait and see, um, lots of listener thoughts on this. Um, Jess B said Dylan's storyline with his patient was definitely the standout of the episode for me. And can I just say how much I love him already? Watch out, Will. There might be some competition for my favorite doctor. She said med doesn't get a lot of chances to do police reform storyline. So I'm glad to see they took this opportunity. Um, you know, once they get got one um still and seeing dylan in action was so amazing and i liked seeing him work with dr charles i loved seeing them come together at the end to talk about the program um and i wouldn't mind seeing more of it although i'm not sure we will a really good storyline i definitely agree i think they have a great opportunity and i hope they lean into it don't know if we they will but we'll see um Megan R said, I love Dylan Scott. That's all. Can we have him and Dr. Charles team up every week? I enjoy seeing both of them together. Yeah, I really, I liked this. I, I like I said, I like this pairing. I like the storyline. Everything about it worked for me. I could see a nice friendship between those two developing too. Yeah, we've seen, obviously Scott, you know, work with, you know, uh, Stevie. We've seen Dylan work with, we've seen him work with a couple different people now, but like, obviously he hasn't really established any like, friendships yet so hopefully that's coming i would like you know him to find like a bro tp with somebody but i guess we'll find out um and christine said i really enjoyed all the storylines this week dr scott's was especially powerful and important i really like how they approach the subject of mental health issues and how they can mean different things based on a person's race and how that is then handled by law enforcement hearing roland's mom say it was almost my family today was just heart-wrenching I think it's great how Dylan has been a part of the law enforcement before and now part of the healthcare community since it really put this whole story into multiple perspectives. I'm still looking forward to seeing him and Dr. Charles team up to work towards better de-escalation approaches in the city. Me too. Yeah, I hope we get to see, I I hope they really carry that through um, so that we can see what happens with it. Yeah. And now that we keep talking about it, I'm like, dang, I really want, I I thought about it as I was watching the episode. I was like, dang, I really would like for them to go, you know, have Brett, even just for one scene, like, I don't need it to be, I mean, obviously I don't think it's going to be like a whole five episodes, you know, they're not going to do like a whole, that much of a crossover, but like, you can't have Brett do paramedicine trials and then this happen and then not have some kind of like one scene where even if it's just them at Molly's talking about their programs, like, Right. Even just something like that, I'd be like, okay, cool. Like they realize that they're on the same path. Like that would be yeah. enough, I think, for me at this point too. But like something. If they don't happen. address it at all, that's gonna be really disappointing yeah. and weird. It's gonna feel weird. Yeah. If they don't. Yeah. Yeah. 
Um, so last up over for med, we've got Marcel, Vanessa, Stevie. Um, Ashley, what are your like deeper thoughts on Stevie? Do you like her? Do you <laughs> like the little bit that we've learned about her background? Like what, how are you feeling about Stevie? Yeah. You know what? I, I was thinking when I was watching it today that it feels like she's been there for a while. Mm-hmm. Um, which is a good thing, right? Um, I, I think she, she, she's established herself. I mean, I said that about Dylan too. Like she's established herself really well, really quickly. Um, I'm interested to know more about her. I'm interested in the stuff with her mom and all of that. Um, I like her personality. I don't know. And I, I, I did like, I mean, I know, I know we'll get into more detail, but, um, I did like how she was sort of a mentor in this episode and in a way that was not, uh, not judgmental in the least, Yeah, but just actually really like. I'm with you. I get you. Yeah. 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 We keep learning things about her. Like at this point, I'm like, man, she's got like one quite of an interesting life because we keep learning all this stuff about her, but then we still Mm -hmm. don't know like the real root. Like we still don't really understand like why her and her mom became homeless, like why they stopped talking. We have some kind of idea, but like not really. Then obviously we'll get to the stuff at the end. And I'm like, okay, but you just kind of drop that in there. Like there's like a lot of stuff that's going on in her life that I and also she has a history with will i mean you know we're we're gonna have to dig into that more i assume well once so when we we had interviewed her before um like we had seen this premiere and so once we got off that interview and she made the comment about how she and will knew each other from med school do you remember the fact that like way back when they did the Gregory Yates um, SVU PD stuff and Will, they kind of accused Will of murder at one point. Will knew Yates from, you know, him being a professor at medical school. And so Gina and I were like, so that means it's canon that Stevie also would have known Yates, right? If they were friends in medical school and Will knew Yates, then that means Stevie knew Yates. And we were just like, I don't think they realized what they did there, but gina and i are just like it's canon it's got to be canon i mean truthfully you just blew my mind because i there's there's so much i don't remember like i (laughs) yeah but like we were we like and like the nurse whoever that nurse that was killed by yates or whatever at while they were medical school we were like so that means stevie knows all of them and i don't think they realized that they did that but they did that and huh could be interesting you know but yeah we haven't even touched that stuff really either but lots to unpack with stevie and we kind of get a little bit more but we'll get there um so but first up we've got vanessa and marcel and she spots crockett and she's like all right you've got three patients process and he's like your shift hasn't even started yet like how do you already like what are you doing and she's like i just have a lot of energy and i just like to get there early and i'm like I mean, I have a lot of energy in the morning, but that doesn't mean I'm going into work early. <laughs> like, no, no. <laughs> I mean, like, you know, 10 minutes early, whatever, but not two hours early. Like, that's not happening. Um, and of course, he's like, he's, you know, kind of thinks something else is going on. And he's like, 
he like writes a pers- fake prescription and is like here take a break every once in a while which I was like oh that's kind of cute like now that they become like yeah. mentor mentee like I'm like oh that's kind of cute whatever but Maggie is watching and Stevie is too Maggie is like not happy because she's can tell that Vanessa is into Crockett like it's very obvious and I mean I don't blame her but still no um Maggie's like yeah no 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 like first year resident falling for a mentor like not good and Stevie's like yeah this isn't gonna be good but so Stevie like takes Vanessa under her wing for this episode and she asks Vanessa to help her with this patient who's being brought in because she had a seizure while in line at Starbucks fell hurt her arm but for now Stevie's like okay look like the arm can wait you know life over limbs which I thought was an interesting little thing life over limbs (laughs) and so she's like okay we're just gonna run the labs and the scans first and so scans come back and basically she has these lesions on her brain and from her chart it's clear she's had some kind of cancer three are from past occurrences which were all benign and then one from this like that's like a current lesion and so they're like, well, does this mean her cancers come back? And they're like, I don't know. So they got to kind of do some more digging. But then we've got Crockett on this other side. And Crockett is consulting on this case where the patient has a widened mediastinum. And so he's like, I'm going to send him for a CT, you know, to get a better look. And so that's where we leave that. Then we go back. Stevie and Vanessa are talking to their patient. And she's like, I've had this, you know, cancer since high school and, you know, I've been dealing with them, you know, messing with my brain. And she's like, I don't want, I don't want it anymore. Like, I just don't want to risk any more damage. I'm already losing my hearing. I'm already, you know, I I don't want it anymore. And so Stevian mentions to Vanessa on their way out that like the initial diagnosis of anaplastic astrocytoma, which I've never even heard of before in my entire life. I feel like I'm always learning to have a different kind of cancer (laughs) on the show. I'm like, wait, it's crazy. Um, But she's like, that doesn't seem to add up since typically AA, I'm just going to call it AA, AA is fatal, but she, the patient has survived 30 years with it. So she's like, something is not adding up, but we got to get to the bottom of this. So Crockett gets his patient's lab results back and thinks his patient is suffering from an aortic tumor. And the cardiovascular surgeon is like, no, no, no way. Like it's a aortic aneurysm. And Marcel's like, I think you're wrong. And the guy's like, well, this is more common and your thing is more rare. And Marcel's like, well, common things are common. Like doesn't rule out a curveball. And so the other guy's like, well, basically I'm ahead, you know, this is my specialty. I'm, you know, it's this, this is what we're doing, you, you know, send them up for a cath, whatever. And Marcel's like, I don't like this, but okay. And yeah, which I was like, I thought it was funny. It was like, common things are common, doesn't rule out of curveball. And I was like, yeah, just because it's common doesn't mean that the rare things can't happen. Vanessa and Stevie are doing, you know, the research, trying to figure out, you know, what's going on and Vanessa figures out that apparently there's only been four cases where a patient outlived their AA diagnosis, and two of them were because they were actually misdiagnosed. So Stevie leaves the room because, you know, Maggie's pulled up their patient's like pre-2000 file, you know, from the 
archives down in the Chicago mid basement or wherever she found them. And then of course, like as Stevie leaves, Marcel comes in and he of course is like getting on Vanessa about like not eating and giving some, you know, gives her some food that he made from home and like, you know, take, makes her take a break. And I was like, okay, like, you know, just Mars Crockett being a good mentor. I, I, I like, <laughs> I like mentor Crockett. Um, but of course, like I said, Crockett's patient starts having like worse back pain than he did before the stent was placed. And so Crockett's like, I got to get MRI. Like, I think I'm still right. And as it turns out, he was right. It was a tumor, not an aneurysm. So Crockett's feeling pretty good, A, because he was right, and B, because he's going to help his patient. But Crockett's feeling pretty good right about now. But um, back, Stevie and Vanessa figure out that their patient actually may have had pilocytic astrocytoma which means benign but of course in order to confirm all of that they would need a biopsy and at first the patient's hesitant she's like again i don't want my brain messed with yet again but when they think that they can really figure it out for sure they ultimately end up convincing her to you know agree and this kind of ties in Crockett's storylines kind of start to tie in with what we heard, you know, Andy and Diane say in that interview was that, you know, Marcel scrubs in for his patient surgery when he stopped by this cardiovascular surgeon and the cardiovascular surgeons like, yeah, basically it's cute that you think you're going to do the surgery, but I'm specialized. You're not, you know, like, yeah, you're a surgeon, but you don't know what you're doing and you know, you're not a specialist. Yeah. So it kind of got me Crockett. That yeah. was hard to watch. It kind of got me thinking, I wonder if they're gonna lean towards Crockett, maybe not specifically specializing in cardiovascular, but like they're really leaning towards having him go into a specialty, which I thought was interesting. Um, and I would be interested to see like what he picks if it isn't cardiovascular, like if it doesn't if this doesn't push him towards, you know cardiovascular but um i think it would be really yeah. interesting to see him you know kind of further his career you know i don't know what the right term is but like further his you know skills yeah yeah we'll, well that. yeah both yeah. i mean it i i think that would be really interesting i think it would be i don't have we seen that before on med have we seen somebody um like learn a new skill or like shift their focus or any anything like that have we seen that before well i guess we saw we started seeing it with april huh um, yeah april a little bit oh we saw it with um i guess technically you see it with reese because you know like reese starts out and she thinks she knows what she's gonna do as like a medical student and then she ends up in the yeah. psychiatry I, a little bit but that was different that was like going from a student you know figuring not someone who's already kind of established right. a career and then switch and then you know kind of switch yeah. yeah um but yeah I felt for him when he was like I just want to see this you know it's my patient I want to see it through and the guy's like yeah that's cute like right no um yeah that was rough yeah but so we go back and Stevie and Vanessa find out that their patient actually this whole time never had cancer. It's always been benign, which is awesome news. But it kind of got me thinking. I was like, damn, like, like 
this patient lived for 30 plus years thinking she had cancer that really basically never got, you know, in remission. And now all to find out that like, it wasn't cancer ever. I was like, dang, like that's a, how do you horrifying? Yeah. Like, how do you, I mean, you can't obviously get those 30 years back. Right. You know, it's like living in fear, I guess the whole time. Yeah. And I mean, she said, you know, that was from when she was in high school, you know, like she was a senior in high school. So like, literally that's like your entire adult life up into this point has been like, I have cancer. And then now you realize you don't have cancer and it's like, well, dang. Well, and they kind of, I mean, that's pulling up some issues too with, you know, I mean, um, the misdiagnosis and just quality of medicine. I mean, yeah, you know, that's, that's interesting. I wonder if they're going to, you know, continue with that somehow. I would imagine so maybe not obviously in this specific storyline, but I, I'd imagine that's kind of like a theme of the season because like you said we've even seen it with the will stuff too you know obviously you know the quality of medicine and you know yeah how much are people you know are doctors just doing it for themselves or you know they doing it really for the good of their patients and you know like I think that is kind of I guess I would say the theme of med this year it seems like but yeah um so then we get this end kind of scene which is really interesting so basically Vanessa runs into Crockett in the doctor's lounge and she notices that like he's kind of not doing okay and ask him what's wrong and he's you know telling her what's going on and whatever and she like immediately grabs his hand as like a gesture of comfort and then like but like immediately pulls back like they kind of she realizes very quickly that like she's like that was inappropriate or whatever he's like no like you're you're good like it's it's okay and of course Vanessa walks out though and I thought at first Maggie was gonna go comfort her but then we see Stevie step up and go and chat with her and we just we're gonna play the audio real quick I made a fool of myself at Dr. Marcel the doctor's lounge (sighs) I'm so embarrassed I'm crushing on my advisor seriously I'm I'm a cliche kinda welcome to the club you? Yeah. My Crockett was Dr. Andrew Jacobson. Well, I'm sure you handled it better than I did. If only. Would have spared me a lot of heartache. Instead, I married him. Oh, I didn't even know that you were married. I'm not. No. Didn't work out. I really didn't think this is what we were going to get out of this, that we find out that Stevie kind of had a similar situation and ended up marrying her mentor, you know, whatever, you know, whatever. I was like, whoa, okay, that's a plot twist. Right. I mean, I, it tells me that we're going to get more of, of that story soon. Mm Mm-hmm. Were you ever into the idea of Vanessa and Crockett or you were like, I'm glad they squashed that? No, I I mean, look, that's, that's been done so many places, so many ways. And, and I, I would love to see that just not be a thing. Um, I like both characters. I, but I'm, I would be very, I I don't know. I just, it's been done it's just it's been done yeah Mm -hmm. I would have said like we had a conversation about it last week on the podcast 
I said that if they ever did go there, like if I would first need them to like set it up, like you can't just drop it all of a sudden and like have them be a thing like that isn't happening. Um, I said if they eventually set it up for like a long time for now, I don't think I would be mad at it, but I also didn't need them to go there. If yeah, like I would have been okay. I think either way, but I'm like not mad about the fact that they didn't go there and I'm not mad if they had gone there, but I think it'll be better for everyone that we're not going there, but right. You know, I'm glad we like first we can tell for now. Yeah. Knock. I don't think I think they would have said in that other thing it's like Rocket's clearly getting some kind of romance I think they would have said if that had been oh. case and it had been with Vanessa I think they would have said like well Crockett and Vanessa get close or you know like something like that which leads yeah. me to believe it's not with Vanessa at least for again not right now but I guess we'll figure out who it is sooner rather than later but I am really curious about the Stevie stuff like I thought at first I, her big secret was like her mom and like that background but now we've got something that clearly happened to her too like there's just so much about her that I'm like okay when does this all tie together yeah yeah I'm interested in her I really I, am I, there's a lot there I'm 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 curious to learn more I'm curious to learn more. Um, we've got some listener thoughts. Um, Jamie R said, Stevie figuring out that the woman had benign tumors and not cancer and she didn't have to do anything shady makes me not miss Natalie. Nothing against Tori DeVito, but Will is becoming a better person without Natalie there. Yeah, I thought this was, I mean, a Natalie, you know, Natalie was Natalie, but like, it is kind of refreshing to see people actually do like, real medicine you know like medicine and not just like play the system and try to you know whatever like oh this is actually like medicine like they're actually being the doctors they're supposed to be and not you know just manipulating situations like it is kind of like a refreshing pace yeah well I mean you know it lets him be I don't know more of his own character in some ways too I guess yeah that makes sense yeah when i think too so far i mean that's not to say that never say never that some one of them won't do something you know kind of shady or whatever but i think it has been like kind of the breath of fresh air that med needed and why med has felt so different this year is that we haven't really had any kind of totally shady stuff yet and these characters don't seem like they're gonna try to do anything shady so it's like oh maybe this is a new med like maybe this is a new new focus yeah um and then Catherine said Stevie was married and they said it like that so casual without further explanation she's like is that the reason that she's back in Chicago I have so many questions yeah I we Mm -hmm. don't know but I would imagine that's probably part of it I also have yeah definitely like I said she's interesting she's interesting yeah, I don't know where they're going to go with this. So I'm curious to find out. Um, but yeah, that's it basically for med. Um, Ashley, do you have any other med thoughts before we move into fire? I can't wait to see Donna Paulson, a.k.a. Sarah Rafferty. <laughs> I shouldn't just call her, but I shouldn't call her Donna. But I mean, come on. You're gonna I'm excited to see her. 
Yeah, that's, you're gonna call her Donna. Yeah, yeah, I am. Let's yeah, I'm curious. I'm excited. To, I'm curious to see. I mean, clearly we know she's in two episodes at least, but I'm curious to see if she sticking around for longer. Like how I, I'm curious to see. Yeah, it should be it should be good. Um, but yeah, that's pretty much it for med. So let's move into fire. Oh man. <laughs> Lots to unpack here too. Lots to unpack. So we're gonna. Oh boy. Yeah. Um. Let's start off with this new. Well, not necessarily new as in permanent. New as in filling in for Casey Lieutenant. Let's start in this because this is just like a quick little thing. Um. We start off and Bowden and Herman are having their little like Monday morning coffee date, whatever that they've set up, and Bowden wants updates. And this is where we find out two things. One, apparently Stella's in Boston for a couple weeks setting up the girls on another girls on fire chapter. So I guess that means A, she's not in this episode. Very right. clear. Which feels weird. It feels very weird because this is the first time. I mean, obviously we've seen storylines where she's not been at the firehouse, but not not in an episode. Yeah. I don't know. I mean, there's a lot of rumors going around as to, you know, will she be even be in next week's episode? Like, when does she come back? Why was she gone? Because there was, a, like, a couple of weeks where she wasn't ever seen on set, period. <laughs> um, like I said, lots of rumors going around as to why that is. But so will she be in the 200th episode? I hope so. It would feel weird to not have her in oh, the yeah, 200th. Yeah. But at this point... I don't know if she's going to be in the 200th episode. Interesting. Yeah. Oh, wow. I hadn't thought about that. Yeah. But it did feel funny with her not being in this one. It felt funny. Yeah. And, you know, it, it clearly felt like that was just something they threw out there for whatever reason Miranda wasn't on set. Because, like, we hadn't even heard about Stella trying to set up chapters of Girls on Fire, let alone in Boston of all places. You know, it's like, it seems so kind of just like thrown out there. Yeah. Um, I mean, good for her. Like, I'm I'm glad that if that, is, you know, Girls on Fire is expanding, like, that's awesome. But like, it felt a little random too at the same time. But I guess we'll find out if she's back next week. So, um. And then the other thing we learned is that apparently there's this guy named Wallback who's filling in for Casey on truck. And as we see right away when he interacts with Mouch and Gallo, he is like very complimentary, basically kind of the complete opposite of Casey. Casey is like, do your job because you do your job. Like you don't do it for the praise. And Mouch and Gallo, they don't need the praise, but they like hearing the praise. And sure. so they are enjoying very much that Wallbeck is around. And then we get this random car wash call. And there's not like a ton that goes on here, but I do think it's funny that, I mean, Gina has in the outline, she's like wet firefighters. Let's be real. That's all we've ever wanted, which like it is, <laughs> but not in this. I mean, you know, this is not how I would have imagined <laughs> that situation either. If I thought about it, but I hadn't, honestly. Oh my goodness. 
Um, but then you also have the guy who stupidly, the guy that's injured, and the reason they were called out there is the guy is in the middle of the car wash. His cars are going through. He drops his phone out the window. He thought the window was closed. He it wasn't. He dropped the phone out the window. He tries to lean out and get it, and somehow gets his leg caught in the whole thing. And I'm like, dude, over your phone, really, really. But also, but also. Can you explain that to me again? Because when they explained it on the show, I didn't understand. And when you explained it just now, I still didn't understand. How did he not know his window was down? How did he drop his phone? I mean, never never mind thinking it's a great idea to open your door oh while the God. car is moving <laughs> through the thing. Yeah. Right. But I don't I just I just don't I don't understand. I don't know. I honestly I was I mean, I understand. I don't understand, but I think I was so thrown off by the fact that like, just when they showed the guy's leg and I'm not someone who totally gets grossed out by that kind of stuff. Like a lot of times I can watch it and it doesn't bother me, but something about this one, I was like, I can't watch this. I was like, I don't even want to look at this guy's leg anymore. I was like, no, 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 no. It was rough. It was definitely rough. Yeah. Um, But basically they get back from this call and Wallback is like, I have nothing, you know, you guys are awesome. He's like, 81 is the best company in the whole CFD. And Mouch and Gallo, like, of course, love hearing that. And Gallo's like, you know, and this is where Gallo says, he's like, you know, I would follow Casey through the gates of hell. And it's just like, of course you would Gallo because you're Gallo and Casey is Casey and you would do anything Casey asks you to. Um, but yeah, so they're like, as much as we love Casey, we think Wabag's kind of cool. So then... Mouch and Gallo are like cleaning out the truck and Wallback's like, let's do drills. And Mouch and Gallo are like, okay, yeah, sure. And again, still love the guy. And then they go out to Molly's like the next night once shifts over and they're like, Wallback runs into this other guy, whatever. They have a little conversation. And then Wallback's like, man, 42 is the best company in the whole CFD. And Mouch and Gallo just kind of share looks like you just told us we were the best company in the CFD like okay whatever and so then like next shift match and gallo you know are inspecting their equipment whatever and like you know how like wallback never gets involved in the action and they're like yeah that's a little weird and then like of course wallback comes out and he's like i was just talking to severide and man squad three that's the best company in cfd and mouch like loses it in typical mouch fashion but <laughs> he just goes on about how like not everything you say is awesome is awesome actually awesome and he just he goes on this whole rant about just really nothing but it's also so funny i could never i just it's very mouch it's yeah. very mouch and he's very not happy with wallback anymore is basically the gist of it it and was Gall- very fitting yeah um but i love to and this kind of we'll get to the casey stuff later but like basically it ends with like gal going inside and like Bowden and herman and severide are talking and he's like well when's casey coming back and Bowden and herman's like oh he's coming back next shift and kate gal's like good he's like things are better when he's here and i'm like first of all yes they are obviously and but i'm like especially after seeing the whole Casey storyline, I'm like, is that foreshadowing? Like, I mean, I guess it is, but like, Mm -hmm. yeah, 
I mean, and it's interesting because they, you know, well, usually when somebody comes in temporarily to replace somebody else, they're usually awful for whatever reason, right? Yeah. Um, and this was a case where it wasn't like that. It, it, it wasn't like that. I mean, even when Mouch was upset about the whole thing, like it was, it's you know, this over is like nothing, silly right? stuff. Yeah. Yeah. It's just the guy's personality, I guess. Um, but uh to ha- i don't know to have them have that moment of like oh somebody different could be kind of nice and then and then it's not and then it's oh and then ugh, i don't know i'm worried yeah worried. i i'm oh, we'll, we'll, yeah we'll get there but um yep i did think it was interesting like i said i i, I first of all i mean mouch just Match over the last, I you know, we even had you on in, like I said, almost two years. But Match just really over the last season or so has really, I think, blossomed in, like, to one of my favorite characters. I just, I love all his comedy stuff. I love what they did with him last season. And this was just another, like, just classic Match moment that's just, it's part of what Fire does so well when they just throw in these little moments here and there. And it's just, it, it was really, I thought it was really funny. Um yeah. But yeah, so it, it and it was weird, like you said. It, a lot of times when they bring in people, they're not that great, and so you're like, I can't wait till they get out of there. And like you said, this guy isn't that terrible. But I was still like, okay, this is weird. Can we go back? Like, I don't like this. Can we go back to what I'm used to? Like, I don't like this. Um, we've already kind of talked on, so that's kind of it for this new lieutenant stuff. Um, we've already touched on brett like a tiny tiny bit tonight but like let's really dive into brett and her paramedicine stuff so we've got chief hawkins who cute but still not the greatest not i don't have a reason to hate totally hate him yet but like still not the greatest because he turned down brett's idea he shows up and all of a sudden he's like you know i may have shut down your proposal too quickly so like i'm just gonna crash for a shift so i can like kind of get to know you and see if you're really someone I want to invest in. And Sylvie's like, okay, cool. Which I think is weird because like, so what, the guy's just going to be in the back chilling of Nambo, like whenever they get a call, I'm like, that's not weird at all, but. Yeah. Have we ever seen anything like that before where someone's just observing? Not like that. that Yeah not like that odd and like an invasion of patient privacy but okay yeah well i mean i guess he's the boss so i don't know but it it feels off it felt weird felt a little weird um but i did thought the whole i thought the whole interaction where you have like brett and violet are you know watching him through the window and then like ritter comes up and is like what are you guys doing and we're like we're watching him and you know like I, and then obviously brett violet pushes brett to go you know get to know him you know try to talk to him and it's just like such an awkward interaction and like she puts her foot in her mouth and she thinks she's like fucked it all up and they you know she turns back to look at violet and ritter and they're just like you're doing great sweetie <laughs> but like she's really not doing that great um, I thought that whole little interaction was funny. Um, 
But then Brett goes and runs in a match in the locker room. And she's like, you know, just venting about, you know, how frustrated she is, whatever. And she's like, you know, I thought Matt was the one who put in a good word for me. And so I don't, you know, blah, 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 blah. And like, she, you know, she thinks Casey's the one who put in the good word for her, not Mouch. And I love too how Matt's just like, wasn't like actually, no, it was me. He just, you know, rolls with it. You know, like he didn't do it for himself. He did it for her. And it was kind of nice to see that, like, he didn't feel like he needed to take the credit for that. He just, you know, was glad he could help. Um, And so Brett and Violet get called to their over, you know, this first call where Hawkins is watching them. And, of course, like we said, Hawkins is tagging along to everything. And it's just so weird because, like, he gets out. So they go start working on an overdose victim. And he just gets out of the ambulance and is like, watching and just taking notes during the whole time i'm like this is so weird yeah this is so weird and then like brett of course has to feel like she has to explain every single thing she does rather than just we know that she's capable obviously she's pic but she's like okay this is the reason i'm doing this i'm not you know i know normally we would do this first but like the, you know i'm trying to it's just she feels like she has to explain every single thing that he does and she, it's like just do you like he's there to observe you how you normally are like you don't have to explain yourself but I then mean, it's so much pressure yeah and I, I mean I get why she's doing it but it's also like girl like you are such a badass as it is like you don't need to you know he'll see that just if you just you know just to be you um but of course the patient wakes up from his overdose you know and then, of course, all of a sudden, it pulls a huge-ass knife on Brett. And I think this is honestly, it feels like, I don't even know how many times in recent seasons, but I feel like she's had a gun pointed at her or a knife pulled at her way too many times recently. Like, can we just leave her alone, please? Yes. It's over. I, I mean, I know the point was to put her in a situation where he would get to see her deal with something like that yeah but good gosh man i mean she just it's always her it happens all the time that not i mean it's it's a little much it's It's a little much it's a little much and especially i feel like you know if you had said oh she had it once like once when she first got here and then now i'd be like okay fine like whatever but i feel like there's like four times in the last two or three seasons and i'm like that's wait it's a lot i feel like it's just all the time yep but anyway she talked the guy down it's fine you know just just sylvie things and we always say like just severide things like just sylvie things it's fine so and of course brett thinks she's like killed herself because she again then has to explain to hawk and she's like i normally check them but i didn't think to check in his boot you know yada 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 and he just hops in the back of ambulance with violet and doesn't really say anything to her so she's like fuck like i just killed my chances you know this is not going great but turns out hawk and stop you know next shift happens hawk and stops by and he brings her a gift like he was actually really impressed with her and is like well here you get this like junker ambo and you know we're gonna give you six months like you know prove it make it work and if you can make it work in six months then you know it's gonna be a permanent program which i think is awesome i mean i hope i hope it stays you know i'll be curious to see 
how it works with her normal. So I'm curious, I guess, whether this is something she'll do like when she's off shift. Is it part of her job when she's on shift? I guess we don't really know that yet, but. Yeah, I mean, I don't know what the details of the program would even look like, I guess. Um, whatever it is sounds good, but but what that's going to actually look like, I, I don't know. I mean, clearly it's going to be extra work you know yeah i don't know um but i so basically uh, and this and when he comes and gives her this junky ambo um and tells her this he's like you know actually it was mouch that you know got me here and you know convinced me to you know really give you the chance so brett's really shocked to find this out and so she of course goes and finds mouch and thanks him for going to bat for her and we're gonna play the clip real quick why didn't you tell me that you were the one who went to bat for me with hawkins oh it was nothing it was huge shut up over there it was a big deal mouch i thought matt was the only one who would go to that kind of trouble for me it wasn't any trouble i knew hawkins senior back in the day so i figured you know mouch you have a much bigger heart than people give you credit for. No, I'm serious. You would never just sit by if you thought there was some way you could help someone. And honestly, that's exactly the kind of temperament that lends itself to paramedicine. You have a very empathetic soul. I do? Yes. So, what do you say? Oh, you're asking me to help out with the paramedicine thing? I think you'd be great at it. Everyone else said no, didn't they? Yeah. What the hell? Huh. Yay. I really enjoy this pairing, and I'm curious to see how it goes and, like, what Mouch is going to bring into the paramedicine program, you know? Because, obviously, I don't think Mouch has a, any kind of, like, paramedic training whatsoever. So, I guess just, like unconditional support like i'll be curious to see how this partnership works i i mean i think it's fitting for him somehow i i'm i'm trying to think of why exactly but i just i do feel like we've seen examples of him dealing with people in his own ways and and unconventionally and and i don't know i mean i think i think that could be useful but the idea is is right that it frees up the it's about talking people down and all these kinds of more you mm -hmm. know what what were some of the examples well i i don't know I'm, but things things that you know someone who isn't trained in all the medicine stuff could handle if they had the right temperament right and the right it. training yeah 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 um gina said if they can handle fanfic they can handle paramedicine which is like funny <laughs> um i guess so i guess fanfic a good fan fiction like writing collaboration can lead to good paramedicine program like i guess we'll find out but um yeah i'm curious to see i guess i'm i'm really more intrigued by the details like is this, like I said, is this something she deals with on shift? Like it's part of now just like while she's at work because it has to do with the CFD. Is it like she works her normal Ambo 61 shift and then this is her project for like the day she's not on shift? Like I'm curious to see how like structurally it works, but 
I guess we will find out in the next, you know, coming weeks. Um, but I really like the uh, paramedicine idea. I think it's really important. And I'm curious, I'm, I'm glad we're giving Brett something to actually sink her teeth into. Cause I feel like yeah. normally with, I mean, obviously she's been PIC for a while, but I feel like a lot of times, like all of Brett's professional stuff is like, oh dang, like something happened on a call. And then like the Ambo higher ups get mad and they're like, you, you know, we threatening to take away your PIC title right. because like something, you know, out of your control happened and you know, yada, yada, yada. And then it ends up being fine. But I feel like that's a lot of her like professional storylines have been like yeah. that kind of situation over over. basically over and over again. And this is something obviously completely different that is like her storyline that has nothing to do with as much as I obviously love her and Casey and, you know, her romance stuff, but like, this isn't that. So I'm glad she finally is getting something. Substantial. You know? Yeah. Yeah. But speaking of Casey, let's talk about the elephant in the room. Let's, let's just, let's move right in. Bryna. Um, Bryna. Okay. Before <sighs> we get, before we get into that though, I'm curious what are your thoughts so far on like the Dardens and Griffin coming back and all, you know, all of this stuff? I was really happy about it because I, I love when a long running show brings something back from way back. You know, I love it when they thread things through and they remind us of old storylines. And I just feel like that was really exciting. Um, and I think it was really nice to be reminded of all of that stuff. Nice to be reminded of Andy Darden and also nice to see Matt in this kind of a different situation for him. You know, I just, yeah. Yeah. I, you know, Derek, when he was on the last time in May, he said something about how, like, obviously we were talking about in that scenario about how they were like, oh yeah, well, we never really realized that like, we never wrapped up Casey's head storyline. So that's why we decided to bring it back. Like, obviously they kind of wrapped up at that time, the Darden stuff, you know, like the Darden's left, they moved to Florida, whatever. But like, it's been eight, nine years since that point. And like, we imagine that Casey had kept in touch with him this whole time, but obviously that's not what happened. So it's just glad to like bring back things. Like you said that we've kind of had questions about all these years and it's glad. I'm glad to see that they're, you know, bringing it back, but oh man, (laughs) oh man, it's not looking good. It's it's yeah. So Casey, you know, at the end of the last episode, basically told Griffin, like, as soon as I get a chance, you know, the first flight out, like, I'm going to come see you and Ben. And he's getting ready to keep his promise. So he's getting ready to head out to Oregon. And of course, he was at Brett's and he has to head home early, you know, to pack his bag. And she, you know, mentions that, like, well, when he comes back from Oregon, like, he should just leave some of his stuff at her place. And she, like, even cleaned out drawers for him, which is so cute. Um, I can't remember, Ashley. You like Brett Casey, right? Yes. Okay. It took me a bit. My my thought was always, I always was on board with them. I just thought at first, when they first introduced it, I was like, too soon, too soon. Don't do that yet. And then, (laughs) and then they didn't. And (laughs) And then then it took way too long. Yeah. (laughs) Um, But, uh, but, but no, I really like them together. I, I was really rooting for, for them. 
Yeah. So yeah, she like even cleaned up drawers. They're all their scenes this season have been like really cute. Um, and she said, you know, they're having like a cute little moment before he says goodbye or whatever. And he says this line, he's like, just so you know, I'm really get it really bad at goodbyes, but I'm gonna see you soon. And I was like, okay. Again, we're foreshadowing here for the end, but anyway, well, just we're gonna hold on to that for a second. I'm really bad at goodbyes. Okay. <laughs> Anyway, so Casey goes to Oregon and shows up at Griffin and Ben's house. And Griffin's like, I wish you had told me you were coming in early. Like, I didn't have time to clean up. And Casey's like, no, no, no. Like, it's fine. But, like, once he walks in and sees, like, it's really not okay. Like, there's trash everywhere. Dishes haven't been done. The refrigerator doors hanging, like, wide open. I mean, it's not great. And Griffin at least realizes that their situation is not that great and you know but he's doing the best he can and that's what Casey tells him he's like you know you're doing the best you can to take care of your brother like that's admirable as hell um and you know Griffin's like well now that we're kind of running low on money like I'm trying to cook but I'm not that great and Casey's like I'll teach you I'm a kick-ass cook and I'm like I know we got the mention last season of Casey's pot roast or whatever that was that Casey or that cap really loves and i'm like we really don't ever see casey cook like ever i thought the same thing i was like wait did i and i wondered if it was just one of those things where just ashley just forgot you know like i just you know wasn't remembering or something but i felt like that was new information well, like I said, we had that one episode after Casey gets his like head checked out and gets all the all clear or whatever. He makes whatever it is. And Cap is like very excited that Casey is making this famous meat, whatever it was. Um, but that's like the only real instance I we ever, I think, know from my understanding. And I wonder if it's too just kind of like he's the captain. He doesn't have to cook. So like, why would he cook? For the most part, like he can, that's for like the lower people. Um, but yeah, I was like, oh, Casey knows how to cook, like really cook. I'm like, that's interesting. Yeah. Um, I feel like we should have seen that before somehow or another. Yeah. At least even if you said last season was the first time, it should have been told to us way before season nine, <laughs> like way before season nine. So of course, like, you know, Casey's like, I'll tell you how, you know, I'll give you some easy recipes, like, you know, no big deal. But Ben comes in and he is like completely unfazed by Matt whatsoever. He's like, cool, you're here. I don't really care. Griffin can I have some money. And Matt is like such a dad in this scene. He's like, here, here's 30 bucks. Like, is that enough? And Griffin, Ben's like, okay, I guess. Um, but Matt was just, Matt, I feel like everything since Griffin came back into his life is like every Matt scene just like screams like dad energy to me. And my heart, <laughs> my heart. I love it so much. And yeah. I, I want I want to see more of it. Yeah. But my so Ben basically takes Matt's money and like leaves. He's like, okay, bye, whatever. I'm, I'm gone. And Griffin makes a comment about how, like, I hope he doesn't do, you know, something bad with it. And Casey's like, what do you mean? And Casey's, and Griffin thinks that Ben's actually doing drugs, which I was not expecting them to go there. I was like, that, oh, things are really bad then. If Ben, little Ben, the little Ben that we knew at one point is like now off doing drugs. 
I was like, damn. Okay, we're really going there. So Matt, of course, doesn't really know. He's trying his best. And he, of course, calls Sylvie. And they have a little debrief. Apparently, again, Matt taught Griffin how to make chicken parm. Who knew that Matt could cook? I just feel like every time we hear that, I'm like, who knew Matt could cook? <laughs> um, but he's still venting about his whole situation. He's like, I just really need to sit Ben down and like have a real talk with him. And again, just such a dad vibe. Like he's like, I need to sit that kid down. I'm like, you are such a dad right now. And like, even though he's worried about Ben and Griffin at the same time too, like you can tell he's happy, like being that guardian role for that. It suits him so well. It he, really I mean, does. Literally from the moment we met Matt Casey, we've known that he's wanted to be a dad. And obviously Griffin and Ben are not his biological children, but this is something he's wanted his whole life and it makes him happy doing it. And even though, like I said, he's stressed and, you know, not sure how the boys are doing, but like you can tell it still makes him happy. Um, so Ben comes home. This is like the next morning. Ben like finally strolls back in the house and Matt's like, well, let me make you something to eat. And they have like, again, a very interesting conversation. And we're going to play this audio real quick. Still have that GI Joe guy you gave me a shelf in my bedroom. Yeah, I don't remember any doll. Barely remember you. You guys need a functional toaster. Maybe I'll pick one up today. That's just so heroic of you. I don't know why you're really here, but Griffin and I don't need saving, okay? We're doing fine. Whatever you remember or don't, I know you pretty well because your dad was my best friend. You and your brother are tough and independent, just like him. But you're still kids. I'm here to help in any way I can. Got it? First of all, I'm glad that they brought up that G.I. Joe doll. I've always kind of wondered if Casey still had it. So I'm glad they kind of threw that in there as a line of like, I still have it. But part of me was also wondering, Casey lost all of his stuff in a fire. How did he still <gasps> keep the G.I. Joe doll? I'm like, that's a little unrealistic, but okay. Oh, oh my gosh. Do you know what I forgot all about? What? The <laughs> oh, when the condo burned down, his and Gabby's oh. condo burned down, and that's why he lives with Severide? Yeah. Yeah. I mean, I knew, but I didn't. I, had, it's, I mean, at I this point, know. he's been living with Severide. He, what he thought was for like three weeks, and now he's been living with Severide for three years. So, like, I yeah. mean, yeah. But it is wow. one of those things. I'm like, I kind of wondered if he still had it, but like, then he also lost all his stuff supposedly in a fire. So, like, anyway, mm-hmm. just a little interesting. Little, anyway, but I was glad they brought it back up at least. Um, but I think that, you know, obviously they, you know, Matt makes the comment about how, um, you know, like I know, you know, regardless, I know you and my dad, you know, you're very much like your dad and like, I'm here because of your dad. And I think that was the thing that kind of got Ben. I mean, Ben still being an asshole about this whole situation, but like, it's the thing that got through to him, at least like, you know, his dad, I'm like, okay, we're getting somewhere. Maybe, maybe, maybe. Um, 
Gina put in here, isn't egg a whole egg in a hole an Australian thing? Is it? I don't know, but here's what I can tell you. Oh jeez. <laughs> I tried to make it for my kid once. She was not a fan. It's not, I don't get the appeal. I mean, I really, I was like, okay, because there was uh oh Lucifer. Um you know they that's a thing on that show too where oh you know, yeah it is popular uh you know a cozy sort of homey you know breakfast thing and uh but yeah and, and, but i did i tried to make it for my kid one time and um it's just egg inside of bread it's, yeah i i don't know i i don't know i maybe it is an australian Thing, but I don't know but I mean I've never tried it but I would imagine I can't you said she didn't like it nope she's not she's not a fan but it's just like you said it's egg and bread yeah I don't know there was just some, and maybe I maybe I maybe, did it wrong Listen, and maybe it's his, his looked much prettier than mine did yeah and maybe it's like you said maybe it's because it's not scrambled eggs or something I don't know but I can't imagine it's like I don't know I think it is a little weird though I'm like I just want to know whoever came up with it, like what prompt them to cut a hole out of a bread and like put a net, like why? Right. How do you get that idea? At the Had- it's a great question. Yeah. Anyway. So <laughs> next scene we see Matt, you know, takes the boys out to breakfast and Ben's like, I'm going to go. It's time for me to go to school. And Matt, again, such a dad. He's like, actually, you've still got an hour to for school because I know this because I'm having a meeting with your principal with your guidance counselor and your social worker there and they're really worried because you know right now it's just the two of them their aunt has bailed so of course if they find out that the aunt has bailed then you know they're probably going to be split up and so they're like you know Griffin's like please don't make it worse and Matt's like I got it guys like I'm okay you know I got it and then we get to the scene, which I think we all kind of knew was coming, A, from the promo, but also it's kind of obvious that, like, Matt wants to bring them to Chicago. And, but their, you know, meeting doesn't go so great. So nope. let's play that clip. Well, the reason I wanted to have this meeting is I loved being the boys' guardian before, and I'd like to do it again. I want to bring them back to Chicago. Make sure they both get on their feet and off to college when it's time. I just need to talk to my girlfriend about it, figure out some details. I know you mean well, Matt, but that is the worst thing you could do for them right now. How so? These boys have been bounced around for most of their lives, and they finally found a place to call home. And yes, there have been some bumps along the road, especially for Ben right now, but Both boys have friends and neighbors, teachers who care a lot about them. Griffin has a community college that he's excited about right nearby. And I doubt their mother would allow it, to be honest. Coffee Creek, the correctional facility she's in for the next several years, is only 25 miles from here. Okay. Let's, okay, let's talk about it. So, obviously, Matt wants to bring them to Chicago. The, everyone is trying to convince them that that is not what's going to be best or they are not trying to convince not everybody they are trying to convince them that that's not what's best for the boys and Matt seems to like understand that like maybe I was 
being selfish and Matt seems to think that like I think he's being selfish and not wanting you know and wanting to bring them to Chicago but like what are we doing (laughs) I don't know I I mean obviously I don't know I don't know as soon as they said no you can't do that yeah because I thought for sure that's where we were heading and as soon as they were like no you can't just uproot these children I was like oh of course not that makes sense right I was like oh no um I don't know here's the thing I don't know what to expect I mean we'll get to more in a second but like Based on just what they say, you know, obviously the girl, you know, the social worker and them, they're like, you know, the boys have been bounced around and now they have a place to call home and like how they both have friends and the neighbors and teachers that care a lot about them, you know, all this stuff. I'm like, okay, but wait a second. How much do you, I mean, they've been bounced around so many times. Like, do you really think their lives in Oregon are that great? They're like, oh my God, this is home. Like, this is amazing. No, I don't think so. Because obviously Griffin was not happy. He came to Chicago to find Matt and like kind of get some sort of semblance of what he, the last time he knew what normal was. And like when Mm -hmm. he was in Chicago, he was like, you know, I don't want to leave. You know, I don't want to, you know, I'm, you know, I wish I could stay here forever, basically. Um, And then even then, like, yeah cool I guess if they both have friends and neighbors and teachers that care about them but like are they gonna step up and be their guardians like no yeah I mean that's interesting so are you saying you think that there's a chance that that could still happen yeah and like so far the boys friends I mean Ben's friends seem to be like druggies you know and leading Ben down a terrible path like I just I still think you could have like I just feel like that's what the social worker and the guidance counselor seem to think, but I don't think mm-hmm. that's really the full case. Because right. like I said, if things yeah. were going so great and they were so happy, Griffin wouldn't have come to Chicago and found them. Right. He was seeking help for a reason. Right. I mean, he wasn't even necessarily seeking help at first. You know, he was just looking for the last time he felt something normal, which was when he was, you know, lived with Casey and then ended up kind of asking Casey for some help a little bit, whatever. And even the comment about their mom, because, you know, the guy, somebody says, you know, he's like, oh, I doubt their mother would allow it, you know, whatever. I'm like, but she, I mean, granted, you know, I think she's very obviously clearly gone through a lot of trauma and, you know, stuff and is probably not, you know, after Andy died and is not right in the head but when Andy was alive and she was happy like Andy and Heather picked Casey to be you know responsible for the boys if anything ever happened to the two of them that's how they ended up with Casey in the first place so I don't deep down if she really loved the boys would she be mad about them leaving right go live with Casey of all people I don't know I don't know I mean, but I do see the argument of, like, stability for the children. Mm-hmm. Um, and, you know, it's one thing for him to be their guardian. It's another thing for him to move them across the country, basically. So far. Yeah. Right. Um, that's going to be, even if they're not in their best situation where they are now, starting completely over, 
is a whole other thing. So I, I mean, I don't know. I don't know, but I'm, I don't know. I don't know. <laughs> yeah. So while this is all going on, Casey, of course, has to, he can't take forever off. He's got to go back to Chicago, you know, go back to shift. Casey decides he's like, Ben's not here, but he's like, I'm going to leave Ben a note since he didn't say goodbye. So he goes in Ben's room and he sees like the badges, you know, the replica badges that of his and Darden's like sitting there on the dresser and like some old pictures from when they were kids, you know, with the family, the 51 family. And then they show all these flashbacks from season one and season two, you know, the montage. And I was like, oh my God, again, like... I don't need to, I'm not crying. I'm not, and it's like, oh my God, the feels, it just hit me. Right. Yeah. I was like, Jesus. I was like, so oh, here's the thing. Yes. The fact that it's coming so full circle. Yes. From the pilot is maybe the thing that has me the most concerned. What? Like because- in the fact that they keep emphasizing the, like all the clips from last episode and this episode. Well, I mean, sure that, cause that, you know, I think that that's important reminder, but just the fact that like, this was something that is ultimately how we were introduced to the show. Mm-hmm. If he was going to exit, if Jesse Spencer was going to exit, I'm, I'm sorry to say this. I don't know. I have no idea what's going to happen, but listen, if he was going to exit, can you ri- like to to bring it all the way back around to what essentially was the catalyst that started the show and his character and the whole thing wouldn't that be the most perfect <laughs> way to do it and to not kill him off and to do it in a way that actually makes sense i'm just saying it it sure seems like <laughs> okay <laughs> So I guess, yeah, let's kind of, we can wrap this up and then finish that conversation. So Matt comes back, you know, he, why he goes back to 51, like when they're on shift, like I would have just gone home and slept, but whatever. He goes back to 51. Everyone of course is like sleeping except for Herman. So Matt has this talk with Herman and again, let's just play the audio. Hey, look who's back already. Hey Herman. Hey. Let her up. Everything go okay in Oregon? The boys aren't doing so well. They're alone in the world. No one to help. Lift them up. We've always said any firefighter's child is every firefighter's child. have to move to Oregon. Take care of those boys. I gotta be honest, though. It breaks my heart to hear you say that because I know it means you're leaving 51. But, uh, 
It's what Andy would have wanted. So yeah, Casey basically is like, I think I have to move to Oregon. You know, I think this is what, you know, I have to do. Okay. So this is where the setup of like, is Jesse Spencer leaving the show? Yada, yada, yada. Okay. I understand where you're coming from. I think if, 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 and that's like a big if, if that is truly what they were doing, then yes, the poetic, just the full circle moment is like a nice way. It doesn't totally feel out of character left, you know, like it would make sense. I don't think he's leaving. Like I honestly, I thought maybe last year, Derek really tricked me with the whole head stuff. And like, is Casey's career over situation? I was like, like really back then, Gina and I had a lot of talks. We're like, he wouldn't. No, we were like, no. But it was also with like, we knew that Jesse and Taylor's contracts were up and we were like, okay, I get whatever. I really thought last year that was a thing. And I think at this point, I'm like, I'm not stressed about it. I'm not, I'm letting it just kind of, it's good. We're going to find out like, it's gonna, I'm I'm not letting (laughs) it stress me out and overcome my mind until the episode actually airs. But Uh I think just for me personally, I think it would be weird. And I, as much as I know, Jesse Spencer loves being on this show, you know, he, even as much as recently as last year, he was talking about how much he loves being on the show. I think it would be a little weird if he was wanting to leave for him to be like, you know what, I'm going to come back. And I'm not only, you know, if he came back for one episode to wrap things up fine, but I think it's weird to be like, Hey, I'm going to come back for five episodes. And the one you hit 200, that's when I want out. You know, it's like, I don't know. I think it's like, I don't think it's happening. I think it's a little too, and I don't know if it was happening that way, if they would have set up the like Brett and Casey stuff as much as they played into it these first five episodes. Like that feels a little weird too, to have like played into all of that. I don't, I don't know. I just, I'm not, I'm not buying it this time. I'm not. I mean, look, you, you, you give me hope. You give me hope. But <laughs> I feel, I feel very concerned about it. I feel like staying until the 200th is exactly what he would do if that was going to happen because, Hey, you, you should at least stay until 200. Right. That's, that makes sense. Um, also, uh, when I talked to Joe Minioso about the season and he talked about the 200th episode, he said, and I'm not quoting right now, I'm going off the top of my head, but he was like, Basically, the 200th episode is going to be big things shake are things up. Yeah, I know. Things Derek has said something stuff similar too, um, and some of it you're not going to like. Yeah, Derek, and- I mean, I know Derek has said in interviews that like, I mean, he said a lot of stuff about the 200th that like you know it changes the landscape of the show as we know it. You know all this stuff, yada yada yada. But here's the other thing too. I think just. If Casey, I'm not saying Casey won't leave the firehouse, but that doesn't mean I think Jesse Spencer is leaving the show. I think you Um, could still have, here's my theory, is that like he could still go to Oregon for a little bit and try to make it work there and then ultimately realize that the boy, you know, like that that's not where they need to be. Like they all need to be back in Chicago, you know, with the 51 family, whatever. Uh, like I said, I'm not saying that Casey doesn't try to leave the firehouse and then, you know, ultimately come back and realize that that's, you know, 
But I don't think that necessarily means that Jesse Spencer is leaving the show. And uh-huh. I'd be okay with that. Like if they, it took Matt going to Oregon and sacrificing his happiness with his career and his girlfriend and, you know, all that stuff to realize that like, that's not where they're supposed to be. And what's that best for the boys is what he thought all along, like in Chicago. Like, I'm not saying that doesn't happen, but yeah. ho- and I, honestly, if that's what happens, I'm okay with that. Ultimately, if it ends up with them back in Chicago, but that doesn't mean that Jesse Spencer is going to leave the show. I think there are other situations where that could happen with like Casey leaving that aren't Jesse leaving the show. Yeah. Okay. I'm going to let you, I'm going to let you give me hope. Cause like, I, I thought Bowden, you know, with Bowden, for example, like Bowden left 51 and I was like, well, how is that ever going to work? And like, obviously right. we haven't seen as much of him and it seems like, he's regretting being in that new position and maybe he'll I think he'll end up back at 51 at some point but like it's working for now like we still see him you know like Mm -hmm. he's still on the show Eamon's not going anywhere like I think it could work in a Matt Casey situation too maybe maybe I don't know (laughs) I don't know I don't know but I'm I'm putting it at you know Miranda Ray Mayo is all about like manifestation whatever I'm manifesting that he's not leaving I'm not thinking about it I'm not letting it get me stressed like because it's gonna drive me crazy until I see you know the 200th episode you know until next week if you know it's gonna drive me crazy if I like think about it too much so I'm just manifesting that it's not what we think it is and yeah yeah we're manifesting that Ashley still doesn't play. Ashley still like uh, okay I still I don't think know. yeah I, I like your positivity I mean I got somebody we got to I mean I got to I just I don't want to think about like and maybe that's naive of me but I just I don't want to even think about it yet like what if he actually let you know mm-hmm. I just I don't want to think about it but I am really curious. I'm really, I guess, invested. I'm really curious to see where this goes. And I'm really, as much as I hate the idea that Jesse Spencer could be leaving, I really do like the storyline. And I think it makes total sense for Matt as a character. And like, you know, hates just his character growth. Like, I think it makes a lot of sense. Yeah. Well, I like I said, I like seeing this side of him. I hope we get to see more of it i know i mean like this is literally what he's been talking about since the past i mean granted again it's not the same guardian is not the same thing as a father but like still being a father figure in someone's life like that's what casey's wanted since literally 101 and like you know it's night it would be nice to see something more than just like an episode or two of him having that because he's already got the dad energy let's be real he's already like he already is their dad like uh, you know father figure oh man i know i mean i we put a few of them in the outline but like literally everyone in our like patreon group our facebook group that's all they were talking about was like is jesse leaving like in you know on twitter like everyone is talking about this and so lots of people have lots to say um Jess B said the dad energy of Matt with the Darden boys like out of this world. She's like, seriously, why does this man not have a child yet? She said, I thought it th- 
this last week, but I really enjoyed the flashbacks to season two. I thought they were tastefully done and packed such an emotional punch. I know the fandom is worried about Jesse leaving, but I don't know. I just don't think so. They almost got me with that last scene with Herman. It would have been a nice full circle moment if he was leaving, but I don't think so. I don't think they would have Brit- uh, written Bretzy like this if um, like this this season if he was leaving. Plus, they've had a bunch of opportunities to write him out lately, and they didn't. I think he's going to ask the Darted Boys what they want, and they're going to decide they want to come to Chicago with him. They're old enough that their social worker could would have at least considered their preference. I would think. Yeah, I would. I like I said. I hope so. It seems like, I mean, yeah, like you said, things may they may have some sort of a life there, but it seems like maybe they want to be in Chicago. So I would be okay with it if, if it's their choice to be in Chicago. Then you know that would work out nicely. Yeah. Um, Sarah B said, I feel like I'm the only one not panicked that Jesse is leaving. The man loves his job and I cannot imagine a scenario where the show would decide he's expendable. There's still so much story potential for Casey, whether with Brett or being a mentor to Gallo or fostering two teenage boys or continuing to confront his family issues or even just becoming chief. It seems too obvious a setup. And if I'm being honest, it's making me more than a little nervous that someone other than Jesse is leaving. You know, the drill fake is out with Casey announcing he has to move to Oregon. And then at the last minute say, just kidding. It's blank and blank. Who's leaving. I don't think it's Yikes. a fake out. I don't think that if, you know, just, you know, if Jesse slash Casey doesn't leave that, that means someone else is leaving. I don't think that's the case. Um, but yeah, I, and I don't think too, that they listen, if Jesse's leaving this, cause it's Jesse's choice to leave. I don't think that Derek is like, you know what? We're going to write Casey out of the show. Like oh, that's not sure. happening. I mean, if it's Jesse, yeah. if, if Jesse leaves, it's because it was Jesse's choice to leave. It's not, this is not a Connor Rhodes where they were like, oh, we just ran out of stories for him. So Connor's gone. Like, it's not that situation at all. Um, yeah, that's not, I, 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 I mean, I don't know anything, but I could pretty much like a hundred percent say sure that that would not be, you know, the case. So um, and then Jamie R said, I don't think Casey is going to permanently move to Oregon. I think he might go out and help for a bit, get him settled or bring them back to Chicago. Um, he's been on set for 1005 and 1006. Um, both Ben and Griffin are old enough to decide they want to live. And aren't they both technically old enough to emancipate themselves? Griffin seemed like he'd be down for going back to Chicago without any hesitation. Ben needs to have an emotional breakdown. This is where I want to see, um, Casey's past come up. This is the perfect opportunity for him to tell Ben, you know, I've been in your shoes. My mom was in jail. My dad was dead, you know, all that stuff. Um, yeah. I, like I said, I will be, I mean, I think we're going to find out for sure. I mean, again, 200 is episode 200 is next week. Um, yeah, I think we'll find out our answer pretty much next week, but I don't know that for sure. So I'm curious to see where this goes. I, I know. I, I know. I hope so. All right. So Ritter and Eric, um, let's talk about them real quick. Um, they, so Ritter and Eric are having some issues. I mean, we know that they had one point they'd broken up in the beginning of the pandemic. Then they got back together as we saw last season. And now they're still having issues again. And so Gallo's like, hey, like, let's go out, be social, you know, 
you should try that. And Ritter's like, okay. So they go to Molly's and they end up because they're obviously they're out on a date. They're both gay. They end up getting harassed by some drunk guy in the corner. And this moment, I thought it was so power. I mean, obviously terrible that this is still, you know, this is still what's happening, but I love the fact that we saw um, everybody who from 51 who's in there. And even the Wallback yes. guy who's like not even really a part of the 51 family, like stand up for them and be like, yeah, no, fuck you. Like, get out of here. Mm-hmm. Like, we don't stand for this shit. Um, and at Herman too, who especially you're like Herman, he's kind of the one who we know he's okay with it, but like would potentially be like a little wishy-washy about you know like you're not sure where he's gonna fall on it Harmon's like yeah no like this is not okay we don't stand for this like I I love this scene I I thought this was I mean a terrible scene but like I love this scene (laughs) well just the fact that I mean I I really enjoyed I don't think we've seen anything like that on the show either but the fact that they came together and came together so quick to his defense was really lovely yeah and i like i said you know it's definitely i don't think it's something we've seen before um and it's unfortunate like herman says that it still happens you know that this is very much something that could happen in any bar you know anywhere now um but yeah it is pretty it's a pretty great scene also i mean Gina had to point out in the outline that like the blue plaid on Severide is like A++ and it's <laughs> definitely A++. Um, so Ritter and Eric leave and they get followed by a really honestly a hideous lime green Mustang, which of course belongs to the guy that was harassing them earlier. The guy like throws something at them out the window and then of course like crashes into the dumpster. The car catches on fire and Ritter at first is like he's like oh man like that's terrible and then he like rushes after him and it's like of course Ritter treats the guy who just harassed them both you know with such kindness because that is just who Ritter is Mm -hmm. what do all of them are right I mean they all you know they're not discriminating I I I really like that about about the show is that heroes are heroes yeah do you know what I mean right it doesn't matter, you know, who they're saving. Yeah. They're going to say, you know, that is who they are. Um, but of course, that's whole, like, can't even say thank you. He's just like, uh, yeah. So, of course, but it ends, though, in kind of surprising twist. So, Eric shows up and he ends up breaking up with Ritter. Like, because even though that is something, seeing Ritter take action is something that he found really attractive. He's like, but it's still you know, we're still having our problems. And like, that is what was attracting me initially to you. But then we still kind of found ourselves in the same rut. And Ritter's like, kind of feels the same way. It's not like a bad breakup or anything, but like, you know, it is just kind of like an end amicably, but also like, they're both sad about it. Um, Yeah. I mean, I'm not like, I mean, obviously I'm sad because Ritter is sad and I don't like to see Ritter sad, but like, we don't see Eric enough for me to like be attached to him. So I'm not like, Oh my God, I'm heartbroken that Ritter and Eric broke up, but you know, I'm sad to see. We're we're not invested. Yeah. I mean, I guess it is nice because something these, all of these shows really lack 
a lot for the most part is like the LGBTQ representation. And obviously it's nice to have like, you know, Ritter be gay, but then to not see him in a relationship and really see that side of it, you know, see his sexuality, it's kind of like, okay, well then what are we doing? You know, why, Mm -hmm. you know, so I hope that it'll, we'll see more of that still, like maybe Ritter get back out and date and do try to find someone who he matches with. Um, I would hope that just for, you know, Ritter's happiness. So I hope we see that, but I'm not like overly upset that Ritter and Eric broke up. Yeah, same. Um, and I know a lot of our listeners really liked the storyline too, um, and kind of said stuff similar, um, and like how that, you know, a lot of this storyline was the highlight of the episode for some of them, and the fact that um, just seeing everybody come together is really, it's what makes this fifty-one family, you know, a family. Um, it's awesome, you know. I I just love seeing all those moments where they all come together. Um, yeah, it's great. Um, but yeah, that's pretty much it for fire. A lot, like I said, is Jesse Spencer leaving? We don't know, but <laughs> 200 is next week, which is also just kind of crazy. 200 yeah. episodes is like wild, but, um, yeah, 200. Yeah. Not all shows make it that far. Nope. Nope. Okay. So let's talk about PD. Uh, this is a really dark, dark yes. episode. And one, I mean, I think though it's one of their best ones ever. Like I, I, you know, it was really hard to watch and I really hated rewatching it again to like put it in the outline. Like I really didn't want to watch it again from that standpoint, but I think it's really well done. Um, and the way they interweave like the case with the Haley and Jay, you know, Haley's, you know, struggle with her PTSD from the Roy stuff. Like, I just, I think it really works. Mm -hmm. Um, and we won't get into too much of the case, but uh, you know, it really starts with like Haley is not sleeping. She's up in the middle of the night. Like she's supposed to be sleeping. She can't sleep because all she's clearly thinking about is like what she did to Roy and Voight covering it up and, you know, all that situation. So this whole case, this whole time, she's like very much struggling with the fact that, you know, she's channeling it all into this case, but she's, you know, she's still not okay. Um, And so the basics of this case is basically there's an abandoned house that has some kind of myth that goes with it that like if you go in there it's gonna like suck your soul from the inside out and like it's like some weird you know like tall tale of the neighborhood but of course yeah and so they end up getting called and they go she and Ruzik go into the basement and find evidence that a little boy has been held there and they end up finding the boy later on he ends up in the neighbor's backyard or something and they're trying to from you know him find out like who is the one that kidnapped him and you know has been holding him and so of course they first call the guy whose real estate firm owns the house this guy named Jordan larkin and they start questioning him and at first they're like oh he's clueless you know he doesn't really know anything whatever um but as it turns out 
that it's not just this one boy that has been kidnapped. Like they find bodies proving that they're all connected and that another boy is currently been kidnapped. And so basically we've got like a serial killer, rapist, you know, kidnapper, all those things like out on the loose. So that's really what their focus comes. And so once they kind of figure that out, Voight's like, Haley, you know, go back to 21st, re-interview John Larkin. Like he's got to know something. And so she tries to, but he still doesn't, he wants to know why he's there. He doesn't know anything. So Haley tells him and she is like, you know, she starts then she leaves the room and she starts to become a little paranoid. She's like thinking she hears something and she's like, no, no, no. Like I don't, you know, whatever. And like goes, washes her face, you know, all this stuff. And when she gets back into the interrogation room, she sees that John has like cut his wrist and is like barely alive. So of course Haley starts panicking. She's like, did I even search him? I thought I searched him. I, you know, I don't know how this happened, you know, all this stuff. And it ends up put, you know, she ends up having a panic attack over this whole thing because obviously that then spirals into the Roy stuff and like Jay comforts her through this whole thing. And while Jay is rubbing her back, she's just like, I killed him. You know, it, it, it it's destroying her. And I thought it was, you know, Voight of course just so happens to walk in, you know, right as Jay is like, well, what, you know, like what's destroying you. Um, yeah. And he like Voight asks her if he's okay, but like the look on his face is like, you better shut up like and not, say anything and it's like oh man so of course like jay notices like the weird interaction that just happened and like asks her about it but she kind of just like blows him off mm-hmm. and so she also just like gets just the way that she was having the panic attack and then just like stone cold face like i you know just the way that she sort of snapped out of it when when voight came because she knew she like had to yeah i thought was really interesting well and even just the whole scene i mean i don't know about you but like i don't i've only ever had like one panic attack in my life and that was like a long time ago and that was honestly just watching that scene was like very triggering and I'm not someone who really suffers from them. Like that was like, that was really hard to watch. Yeah, it really was. It really was. And I mean, Tracy's acting in this episode was just like so unreal. Good. But yeah, I mean, that was like very, very hard to watch. Um, so we basically come down to this whole thing about how, you know, turns out that Larkin's brother Bradley, John Larkin's brother Bradley has a known history of like behavioral problems since high school, even though nobody will say what behavioral problems mean, they really figure out that that means like child pornography, you know, all those things. And the only job he's ever been able to keep is when he works for his brother's like former real estate firms. And of course, now he's a property manager for his brother and manages, you know, only manages property next to an elementary school, including the one, the little boy, you know, just like all this stuff that's like really, okay. So the case is starting to come together. They figure out who it is, you know, all that stuff. And they have, so Jay and Haley are, you know, riding in the car together as they're on the way to try to find, you know, their guy. And they have this conversation and, you know, Jay starts questioning 
Haley again. And he says, he's like, you know, you haven't been yourself since the night you proposed to me. Like that wasn't you. And as soon as he said that, I was like, oh shit. It just got real. And because she takes offense to that. She's like, what are you saying? Like everything, you know, I meant everything I said to you. Like, do you not believe that I, you know, meant? And he doesn't even respond to that. He's just like, you know, did something happen with you and Boyd? And Mm -hmm. she, of course, doesn't answer him. She's like, you know, I've been off. Like, I'm just, you know, it's just, I I haven't sleeping. It's fine. Uh, I'm fine. I swear. But like, I don't, you know, I mean, we'll get to the end scene in a second, but like, I wonder, do you think just based off of this, that like, he, even after learning what he learned, what Voight says, that he's questioning Haley still, or do you think that he's just trying to get information out of her in this? Do you think he really questions whether or not she fully, you know, she said what she meant, what she said that night, like the night that she proposed? I don't think so I I mean I think he just knew there was something going on with her I don't know that I feel concerned about where they're at together yeah I don't think so either but I think it's interesting that he noticed Cause he hasn't really said anything up until this point. Like he's kind of started maybe piecing stuff together, but not really. So I think it's interesting that he noticed even that night that like, she wasn't quite herself. Mm-hmm. Um, Cause he hasn't said anything up until this point, but I think it's interesting that he noticed. Yeah. He's been, he's been paying attention and I mean, she's, you know, yeah, he's, he's been paying attention, but um. Yeah, I don't know. I don't I don't think I'm concerned about that aspect. So basically they do end up um finding not only the guy but the other little boy that he had kidnapped, you know. It looks like for a second there's going to be a struggle, but you know, all ends up good. And of course, right after this happens, they get the guy, all this stuff. Voight finds Haley and is like, "Are you okay?" and she's like yeah i'm okay and then she's like he's like we really shouldn't have like said anything you know like you know you can't say anything to jay and it's like you say you ask her if she's okay but i don't think you really mean it are you okay you just want to make sure that she's not going to say anything right so then you know the case is done all this stuff and jay really starts digging into like what happened the night that they found kim and so he's like looking up GPS records for Voight and brings him to where Voight was, according to the GPS, like the night that they found Kim and Jay finally confronts Voight. And we just, we're going to play the whole audio because it is just one heck of a scene. Roy reached for my gun. Oh, you son of a bitch. Haley had no choice but to shoot. Listen to me. She saved my life. That's what happened. I came out here, buried Roy's body. I mean, we couldn't bring him in. Because I'd never called in an arrest. Jay, you can be mad at me. You can be as angry as you want. But now you know. So help her. Me help? You did this to her. I didn't call her. I didn't want her there. 
She came there. I wish the hell she hadn't. Bro, I tried to pull her back over and over no, again. You don't get to but do this. She no. went there. Because you put her there. You did. Don't you get that? You dragged her down with you. I don't think you know the woman you're sleeping next to. What was your immediate reaction when you saw this scene? Okay, I can't, I mean, I can't really say because listen, I didn't get to watch it until today. Um, I started it last night and then I just, I, I had to, I got interrupted and you know how life is. And so I had to finish the episode today and I didn't see the scene for myself, but I saw it all over for me. Oh, so you got it <laughs> so spoiled for yourself. Yes, I knew it was coming because I mean, it was just, it was, it was everywhere um but yeah so it's good it was it was it was it was good it was good it was satisfying yeah i as soon as so obviously there i think a lot of people if you're on twitter know that there was a screener so i saw it you know a little while ago now um and as soon as i saw it i was like it's about damn time like Gina and I have been right. making bets about this for a while. Like, oh, is Jay gonna punch for you know whatever? And I honestly don't know if I ever thought it was really gonna happen. Cause like they've for a while, for a long time now, they've been kind of hinting back about like this Voight versus Jay. Like, you know, like they would tease it a little bit, and then they would like go into a music episode, so then they'd like never come back to it or whatever. So I don't know if I ever thought it was really gonna happen. But damn, that was so satisfying. Yeah. I mean, and it's it's interesting too because Voight is still the dynamic at PD is really interesting, right? Because Voight is still like the guy. Mm-hmm. Um and 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 just to see somebody punch him in the face, I don't know. It was I, I I think that was a baller move um, to have somebody do that. And I felt like it was, it was very fitting and satisfying to see. Well, and I wonder too, kind of going off of that, obviously what they've kind of set up for a while now too, is you have this, like you have Voight and Jay, and then you kind of almost have like the unit split, right? Like you have like Jay and Kevin and I guess you would put like Kim most likely on that side. And then you have like Voight and Adam and typically Haley, you know, on one side, although I would assume Haley's not on that side anymore. So like, I kind of wonder if they're going to set up this like storyline where like sort of turns the team against Voight situation once all of this comes out, Oh, um, which I think could be really interesting um yeah but i i just i don't know i think it's really caused an interesting dilemma because as we kind of see at the very end of the episode like jay goes home to Haley and he doesn't really look that happy but Haley and so Haley doesn't say anything you know it just kind of the episode ends but it's like well where do we go from here like does jay say something to Haley? is jay mad at Haley for what she did or is he just more that mad that he kept the secret like and mm-hmm. she didn't tell him about it you know he had to find out from void of all people um is he mad at her for going to void 
that night in the first place? Is he not mad? And then, like, there's the whole Kim aspect of it, too, right? So, like, now that Jay knows, does Jay tell Kim? Is it still a secret? Like, does Jay make Haley tell Kim? Like, I mean, there's just so many different, like, parts Mm -hmm. to all of this. I just... I don't know really where they're going to go with this either. Yeah. It's definitely interesting. And I mean, it, it sets up interesting stuff. I hope it doesn't blow up their relationship. Um, like I said, I don't feel like that's the case. But I, I mean, I think it's interesting because he's got the concern for her. But then if you go back to it, Haley did what she had to do in that moment. Yeah. So I... I you know yeah i do think it's and like i said i don't think jay will necessarily be mad like if there is like a you know tension in their relationship i don't think he'd be mad at her for doing what she did because jay really believes that you know she's kind of been manipulated by void and that if Haley, you know, Voight hadn't taken Haley under the wing, under his wing, like he has been that like, she wouldn't have done all that. So I don't think he's mad at her for that. I do wonder though, if at some point he's like, I don't know how to trust you or, you know, anything. Cause we've kind of had this whole situation. I mean, granted on a very different scale before, right? Like with Aaron, because when Voight kills his Justin's killer, in that whole situation and jay is kind of under the situation where he thinks that aaron helped hide the body and we kind of find out that she probably did hide the body um jay's like suspicious of that whole situation too so we've kind of seen a little bit of this before um and i wonder if that in some weird way is like playing into any of this too in like the back of jay's head yeah and like we'll make him again not that he isn't okay with what Haley did but just like will that affect his relationship because it kind of affected his relationship you know a couple of years ago um I don't know there's just there's so many different ways they could go with this whole thing I'm honestly I think I'm most intrigued by the fact of like the Kim situation like because Kim is still even though we haven't seen it you know really since episode one but like kim's still really afraid because she thinks that roy's still out there and like roy could come back and you know she's still really afraid and i'm just really curious to see what they do you know who tells kim how does kim find out that's what i'm really curious to at this point i guess I, i that's a really good point um because she's gonna have to right and will she be mad like I don't think necessarily that Kim would be mad that Roy is dead but like will she be mad that she you know they kept it from her this whole time and she was led to believe he was alive when he really wasn't yeah yeah she's gonna be mad that's not gonna go yeah I I, yeah and then does that create I mean obviously that creates some kind of tension in the unit right like I'll be curious to see how those dynamics there's there's a lot going on i mean there's a lot to kind of figure out in the next little bit um i don't know i don't know there's just like i said so much so much 
But man, that punch was so satisfying though. <laughs> I feel like there's so there's so many different um things on the internet about it already. Like it's really I mean, it was really essentially funny. though, I think a lot of people have wanted, you know, most people don't like Voight for the you know, understandable reasons. And I think, you know, Voight obviously from the very beginning of Fire was set up as like the villain. And so it's just nice to see somebody punch him because he's for all the terrible shit he's done it's just nice to see it it's just it's nice to see it mm-hmm. it's just it's really Shocked nice him a little bit too yeah brought him down a notch but i think honestly though the thing and i mean if i were jay i would have punched him too because like when he said you know like I thought it was funny. He like bro Jay at one point. He's like, I tried to, he's like, bro, I tried to pull her back over and, you know, over again. And then he says the line, he's like, you know, I don't think you know the woman you're sleeping next to. And it was like, I just, that was it. That was it. I mean, but I would have probably done that too. If I were in Jay's position, like that would have set me off. I would have been like, that was a line cross. I mean, you can say that like it was Haley's fault or whatever. Like if Boyd can say that, but like, you you don't know the woman you're sleeping next to i mean yeah damn damn um i do like how to before we move into the listener action i do like to how jay said like left it on not anything about Haley or whatever but that like he and kevin you know didn't cross the line like they did good police work you know obviously we all know everyone knows that what Voight does but like i like how jay pointed that out that like you don't have to always resort you know Haley wouldn't be in this situation if Voight wasn't trying to teach her that like sometimes roughing someone up around the edges can get better results because obviously it wasn't that that found Kim it was what Kevin and Jay did which is policing the right way and that was what found him and that you know Voight's bringing Haley and Ruzik under his wing isn't necessarily the right I just like the way that Jay left it on that note um but yeah um lots of lots of comments um from listeners we had Angela said I didn't like that that ending because I feel like Jay's heard that Haley followed Hank and put herself into that situation but he loves her so much that he's sad for her too yeah I think Jay's feeling a bunch of different things I and I, you know, I don't think it's very clear cut and I don't, you know, I wouldn't expect it to be clear cut. Um, like I said, I think that Jay is not necessarily mad at what she did, but just more the fact that he kept it from her or she kept it from him. But anyway, um, Tanaya said that as I happily watched Jay punch Voight, I can't help but think he's reminded of how Aaron was at the beginning of season four after Voight killed Justin's killer um she also wasn't sleeping and clearly hid stuff from him Haley's doing way worse but it came to mind um yeah like i said i really am curious if it's like in the back of his head not necessarily that that he's comparing the situations or whatever but like it's gotta be i just i can't imagine that it's not in the back of his head um especially because he was so he was worried about Aaron back then and you know Aaron just didn't even try to open up to him as nearly as much as Haley has so I you know it's kind of curious 
Um, Myra said that, you know, she was struggling with the Haley storyline because of season seven. She said, you know, in seven, they set up Darius Walker's death and had no issues. um, And that Haley back then, you know, planted drugs on someone, had no issue. And now all of a sudden she can't live with Killing Roy. Um, And she said, you know, it's nothing on the character, but just the writing. It makes zero sense to me how all of a sudden she has all this guilt over this when she did the right thing. You know, whether Voight manipulated the situation or not, her shoot was rightful. So I'm just having a hard time with her guilt and Jay blaming Voight for dragging her down with him when she was already there based on her own previous actions. That Those are interesting points. I mean, I, you know, to me, I, I, I was a little bit surprised that, like, this is the thing that did her in. I don't know. Um, I mean, the, the situation is complicated, but um, I, again, I mean, she did what she had to do. Yeah. In that situation. Yeah, I think it's interesting. I remember back when the Darius Walker thing happened, like, I was not okay with the way that Haley handled that, and I thought at that point she kind of become like a mini void and then they kind of backed off of it for a while and i was like okay maybe this isn't you know maybe that was just like a one-time thing it is kind of interesting i think that this is like you said the thing that did her in because it just she's done a lot of you know she's been through a lot of shit she's done a lot of shit and for this to be the thing that's like eating her up inside i think is really interesting um but I don't know. Um, there was a comment from um, one of our listeners, Haley G. She said, you know, I think that um, she said, I would lose all respect for Haley if she doesn't come clean about what Kim did. And she said, I would lose all respect for Jay if he goes along with Haley not telling Kim. She said, I understand that she's traumatized by what happened, but to allow someone to continue to be traumatized when you have the power to stop it is wrong. Um, you know, she's supposed to be your friend and how in someone you care about, like, how can you lie to protect, lie to her about the person she's most afraid of just to protect yourself when she almost died that night. Um, and she also said, um, so if Jay knows now, like, where does P start to go as we get to the midseason finale? Like, what are we building towards Kim and everyone else finding out? I would assume so. I would assume that they're working their way towards that yeah some sort of a big blow up too yeah although i do think it's interesting it's kind of you know they've been working on this storyline now since the you know two season you know two episodes at the end of last season and now this if we still kind of finally wrap things up at the end of you know or the mid-season like that is a long way to wrap one finale (laughs) like normally we don't get finale wrap-ups you know that's drawn out but yeah that's true um and then lots of comments about tracy's acting which like i know these shows never get emmy not like they just very rarely get you know nominated for emmys you know they're very case heavy and procedurals and i get it like i you know i do get it but like dang tracy's acting in this episode was unreal just really phenomenal yeah unreal i just i can't say enough amazing things about how good tracy was in this episode just unreal 
Um, yeah. Um, Ashley, do you have any other PD thoughts? Oh boy. Um, echoing Tracy's acting in this one. And this was a really, like you said, it was a really good episode. Really good episode of the show. I think it's, I mean, like I said, I think it's one of their best. I think they found, I think sometimes one of the things I've really struggled with in PD with PD recently is like they get, they've gotten so case heavy sometimes that I feel like as much as I like the personal stuff they throw in, I'm like, I feel like we don't get enough of it, but this time I really thought they found a way to like tie the case in as a way to help move the personal along, obviously, because once the guy cut his wrist, that's what really set Haley off and then set off Jay and, you know, set all that stuff off. Um, so I thought I really liked the way they balanced and blended the two together. Um, and just, I don't know why I'm really into this terrible, you know, Haley suffering from PTSD storyline, but I, it's really compelling and it's really, I think it's just been really well done so far. And I'm, I'm really, I'm really into it as terrible as that sounds. Cause I don't know if that sounds like the right, you know, um, but it's interesting storytelling. Yeah, for sure. Um, and like I said, as terrible as the case was in this episode, like I really enjoyed it. Um, mm-hmm. yeah, I just, I'm really, um, it's good storytelling. It's, it's, it's good stuff. Yeah. Yeah. It was emotional and, and it was, yeah, it was done well. And just to seem like, you know, we talk about it a lot on the podcast. Like it seems like Voight never gets any consequence. You know, part of the problem with like Voight is that he, you know, always seems to escape his consequences. And while Jay punching Voight and Voight has having a busted lip is hardly a consequence. It just feels like something we're finally leading towards something maybe Voight suffering a little bit as a result of something he's done or something he's influenced. Um, And that's kind of nice to see too. Like, that's why I think that punch was so satisfying is like, it's not a consequence, but like Voight's maybe starting to realize some of the actions he did. And, you know, it's nice to see. Um, But yeah, there's like I said, PD, there's a lot getting set up and I'll be curious to see where we go with this and how much longer it keeps going because like i said kim can't be in the dark forever yeah all right so i think that's i think that's it unless you don't have any last minute thoughts ashley on anything fire med pd anything i don't think so i'm interested i i want to know what's going to happen we see on fire that's that's probably what i'm most concerned about yeah all right so guys we have reached the conclusion of our episode um ashley thank you for coming back on and spending this time recapping these episodes i'm it's been way too long first of all i'm glad you came back we'll have to have you back on again you know sooner than this um where can our listeners if they are not already familiar with you and telltale and you know your reviews where can they find you all that stuff um well well first of all thanks for having me back it was fun um and i i like uh being able to do this with you guys every now and again um 
So you can find me on Twitter and Instagram at Ashley B. Summerall. Um, and then I am uh, also at Telltale TV. Um, and you can read all of my Chicago Fire thoughts there, as well as, you know, thoughts on many other shows and many other writers who are writing great thoughts about their shows. Um, and that is um, at Telltale TV underscore uh and it's the same on twitter and instagram as well so definitely uh check that out yeah definitely i always love reading ashley's fire reviews because even if we differ sometimes like it's all you know they're always so always well written and i'm not just saying that because she's my friend i'm not just saying that because we're (laughs) friends um yeah guys as always um you guys know where to find us facebook twitter instagram tumblr municipalities right across the board um you can follow us individually on twitter gina is at gina watches tv i am at brina k13 um if you guys feel so inclined you can also um sign up for our patreon um lots of cool rewards over there um bonus episodes access to our outlines um the facebook group which is like really become a little family it's really fun um and yeah um next week really big week not only is it obviously fires 200th episode it's actually our 200th episode too which is really kind of crazy and wild and surreal um yeah so i don't we don't really have any big plans obviously except to recap you know it'd still be a normal episode but like you know just kind of a milestone for us too which was really fun um and the fact that it just kind of i mean we may have manipulated one episode to make it happen but like the fact that it just kind of happened otherwise to line up so closely with fires is really cool too um so yeah um but yeah guys as always like said normal schedule going forward i know we missed our live tweeting this week but we had really good excuse um we were all just doing fun things gina being on vacation uh i was at a concert so i mean good excuse but back everything's back to normal next week we will be back live tweeting and normal episode out as always but until then you guys have a good weekend and we will talk to you guys next week bye